Have you ever said to yourself, I wish you could get all my favorite rat songs in one complete collection? Well, now you can on this 13-disc set called Ratting Out the Hits, featuring such classics as They Gave Me Rat Scratch Fever. Meow, meow, meow. Rat Scratch Fever. Meow, meow, meow. It also includes the hit Now I'm Watching Deadly Eyes. <laughs> Big old dogs dressed in rats' disguises. I've watched Deadly Eyes. Wish I could see it in 35. That's right, 532 of your favorite rat infested hits. And that's not all. If you order now, you will also get free 101 songs about gerbils. So don't delay. Order now. Operators are standing by. Rat movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention, planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast. 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 Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to episode 161 of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I am your host, Insane Mike, and Attack of the Killer Podcast is a horror movie podcast where a group of friends gather together to discuss horror movies like we would any other night, only we decided to record it. <laughs> we pick a topic, we discuss the films within the topic, so be warned, there may be spoilers. There will be spoilers. If you haven't heard, of, haven't heard by now, we have a new network. Our own network! Yes, that's right. We started our very own network, and it's called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. My mother always used to say, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. But we decided to do this anyway. <laughs> you can check out the network at thepfpn.com. The what? Pfpn.com. Nice. Are you making sure I said it right? I just, I just like to hear it oh, over okay. and over. Uh, we are now... Up to ten shows on the network. Whoa, crazy! Every time we record a new episode, there's more shows on this network. Shows including Midnight Snacks, that's with me. All about movies, Land of the Creeps, Story by Podcast, The Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie, My Bleeding Ears, The Bloody Hook Podcast, Atomic Way to Cheese, and The Horror Cast. All amazing shows. And if you don't believe me, check them out yourself at thepfpn.com. You say you want more? Oh, we'll give you more. You can get a whole lot more Amazing Killer Podcast content if you subscribe to our Patreon. So go to patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. Check out the various levels to get more content, including specially made videos, bonus episodes, Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten lists, music from the show, and a whole lot more. So subscribe today at patreon.com backslash A-O-T-K-P. <sighs> Made it. Did it. Oh. <laughs> so now, it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. He fed his pet Rhett some candles because he wanted a light snack. Tad good, everybody. Oh. I didn't do that. I had a rat and I didn't do that. Do you really have a rat? I used to, I did when I was much younger. Rest oh. in peace, Rebel. Oh. 
Rebel? Yep. Okay. Rebel, Rebel. His favorite part of Food of the Gods is the part with the giant chickens because he loves big cocks. Jason Bollinger, everybody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> of course, that's what you walked in on me watching uh, the other night. And his pants were off. No comment. Thanks for listening, everyone. He couldn't stand the sound rats make, so he covered them in oil because they squeak. Brian Clark, everybody. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, man. Why did I write so many singing parts for this episode? <clears throat> Hold on. Somewhere out there beneath the Well, that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Ewan. Oh. Thanks for that. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. <clears throat> okay. So, how's everybody doing? Good. Better now that you stop singing. Yeah, <laughs> Let that be over for today. Well, how about I stop talking for a little bit? I would enjoy that. And let's turn it over to Tad. All right, on this uh, week we're going to do another round of what we watched. On this segment we just sort of go around the table and talk about something that we've watched since the last time we recorded that isn't part of the regular podcast. So I'm going to start with someone who already told me he doesn't have anything prepared. Brian, what did you watch? Oh, good, thank you. Uh, (laughs) I, I haven't really watched anything other than podcast movies in the odd episode of Luke Cage over the last week because this past week and weekend has been dedicated to G-Fest. So I watched a lot of people in Godzilla costumes and a lot of nerds spending money on toys. (laughs) Uh, I actually presented a panel on Friday about uh, horror and kaiju movies along with uh, Tristan Dome, Scott Witherall, and Casey, I can't remember his last name because he didn't talk much. Um, (laughs) And it (laughs) we were in one of the main ballrooms I was dismayed to see because there wasn't a great deal of uh, lead-up time for us to talk about the panel. It it went better than I hoped, but not as well as I would have liked. Um, But it was like three-quarters full in that. Okay, you guys have been to um, uh, Flashback Weekend at the Crown Plaza, right? Yep. So you know that ballroom one and two area? Yep. Except they they have it all opened out, don't they? Because doesn't yeah. the whole flashback convention basically take place in those two ballrooms? I think so, yeah. Because G-Fest is like the entire hotel, like both main and basement level conference areas, and wow. they split that ballroom in half. So imagine the space that is flashback weekend, you know, pull the divider down in half of that room, and that was about three quarters full of people watching this panel. Oh. <laughs> so it was a little intimidating. Um, but it went well, and the weekend was awesome. I got to meet um, Megumi Odaka, who was uh, Mickey Sagusa through the Heisei series. I got to meet Kenpachiro Satsuma, who was Godzilla through the Heisei series. That was awesome. Uh, Keizo Mirase was there. He's a suit builder who worked on Varan and Mothra and King Ghidra, and the list goes fucking on and on. He helped build the mighty Peking man. 
and in fact oh, nice. played him in a scene when the, their stuntman didn't have insurance and he volunteered to climb inside the suit, be lit on fire, and pushed off a building and dropped 20 feet. Um, and when you see him, that's kind of because he's a tiny little dude. He's like four feet tall. But uh, that was something. Yeah, it's got to hang out with uh, the guys, a couple of the guys from Monster Party. Um, the Kaiju cast were there at a big party out on the patio on Saturday night. And a guy brought uh, special homemade beer with, with Kaiju-themed labels that he put on the bottles. And... Um, Got some cool toys and an original painting by the great Bob Eggleton, who might not mean anything to you Godzilla-wise, but are you familiar with the old uh, the Necroscope novels by Brian Lumley? They're old covers with the skulls with the big fangs and the snake tongues coming out of them and that. What's, who's Maybe the author? Who, what author again? Brian Lumley, the Necroscope novels, like okay, vampire yeah. novels from the 70s and 80s. Okay, it took me a minute, but yeah, not, yeah I know what you're I, talking I about. I guarantee, now. even if you've never read them, you have seen these books. They are yeah. fucking everywhere, and Bob Eggleton did all the covers for pretty much everything Brian Lumley ever did that was printed in the U.S. So, even if you don't know his name, you've seen a, a, awesome. a Bob Eggleton piece, and it's he's an amazing artist. So, I have an original... Like paint on canvas. It's not a print. It's the real thing. It looks awesome. Of, uh, of the Godzilla from, um, excuse me, from Ghidra, the three-headed monster. So, yeah, it was a great weekend. Kids had a blast. Loved it. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm glad uh, I decided to go with you first because you showed me that you were prepared. You had something. You had a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason, what did you watch? Oh, man. Well, I didn't have really a lot either. I'm not going to go into my weekend. I'll let Mike do that. But uh, Thanks. I watched... Uh, I need something, too. <laughs> I, my, my what we watched ties into this episode, but because I've never seen it before, but this morning I watched uh, the original Willard. Oh, I watched the original one. Nice. Yep. I've never seen it from 1971. It was great. Bruce Davison's the man. Yeah, yeah. I like really enjoyed him a lot. I because I don't know how much I do now, or at least in the X Men movies, I've kind of been really annoyed by him. But maybe that's the X Men movies. I don't know. I think he was just in the first one, wasn't he? Maybe. And he turned into water, turned frog, into put, pudding, drink, yeah, pudding, whatever. <clears throat> but, but you anyway. also know him from Return of the Killer Shoes. Remember? Yeah. Oh, I was. I assumed that would come up, but <laughs> but no, he's like an infant in this movie, and they're like fifteen years old. It seems like, and he was great, and Ernest Borgnine, and yeah, it was it was pretty good. Anyway, yeah, I watched that this morning. That's pretty kick ass. Other than that, I haven't got to watch a whole lot. Got to watch some Joe Bob Briggs stuff over the weekend. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, but yeah. That's me. All right. Well, Derek, what did you watch? Well, I'll use the one that I was going to use on the last episode before I had to call in sick. Uh, I just recently purchased and watched Wolf Cop 2. And my God, is that movie a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, what is I it? mean, Wolf Cop 2. Right. Yeah. But how, how is it compared to the first one? Um, it's, it's not nearly as, uh, it wasn't as good as the first one, but I think that's because I kind of knew what I was getting in for this time. The first one, I was 
completely taken off guard by just how out there they like, hey, went with it. There's a wolf dick. All right. <laughs> That's the kind of movie we're yeah. watching now. Yeah, wolf, wolf cock. Um, and no, this one, it's... Uh, yeah, it's not as good as the first, but it's definitely worth purchasing and watching. I don't want to say a whole lot about it because I don't want to ruin it, but I laughed my ass off several times during it, and it would definitely be a good movie to get a group of people together and have some beers and watch. It's it's a good, it'd be a good party movie. Yeah, I hadn't heard anyone who's seen the second one yet, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I I had been waiting for this movie since the first one, um, which is I don't know if that's sad or good, but <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it it didn't disappoint. I'll say that. So go out and get yourself a copy and thank me later. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, that leaves uh, Mr. Insane Mike. Tell us about your weekend. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I haven't yeah, much of a chance to watch anything, at least nothing that would be really relevant for the show. Because you could um, go on about Luke Cage for like... I could. Luke Cage ever. was awesome. Brian, Brian, you said you watched some of it. Are you through it yet? or? No, I think I have like two or three episodes left. It's way, it, It's better than the first season though i think because i don't know if it's ever reached the heights of the best of the first season but it's more solid all the way through because season yeah. one like took a shit halfway through when they changed the villains yeah yeah i i yeah tonally the first season kind of was up and down but uh this one's solid straight through and yeah it i i think i think i've gotten to the point where luke cage is probably my favorite of those of those netflix series like, I still like Daredevil a little better, but yeah, Mike Coulter is just awesome. Like the cast of Luke Cage is all phenomenal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that uh, so I have marathoned that, but uh, it's not what I'll talk about, even though I just did. Um, <laughs> we went to Crypticon this past weekend yeah. uh, down in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, I will always call it Kansas City. They do still call it Crypticon KC. Yeah. Technically, yeah, but uh, a couple years back, they tore down the hotel they had it at every year <clears throat> and moved it to the convention center there in St. Joseph, which I think is probably the best thing that they've done since I've gone to this to this con um, because there's actual room in this yeah. convention center, and they I feel like they keep improving too. It felt like there towards the end of the hotel era. That it, you know, they just got complacent and got kind of stagnant. But le- now it feels like, almost like they've had to start over. So now they're trying different things every year. And one of the things I really like, so it's like a, it's a whole uh, arena. So the ground floor has all the vendors, and then there's an upper level where there is stadium seating, but there, but there's like still like a path all the way around. And um, this year they put all the all the celebrities up top on that second level. Which I think worked out really well because now you know the lines. I feel like for the celebrities were far easier to control than just having these random celebrities um, layered through all the vendors on the main floor. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Got to uh, got autographs from Adrian Barbo. That was awesome. Um, yeah. Lynn Lowry got got her autograph. 
Uh, Amy Steele got her autograph. Uh, Jason did Linda Blair's autograph. I already have her autograph, so I opted out this time. Yep, got to meet her. Tina and I did. It was yep. pretty fun. Yep. Jealous. Yeah. Uh, who else was there? Um, William Cat was there. My friend John got got his autograph. Um, was but, Nick Castle there? Yes, he Nick sure Castle was. was there. What was cool is they. I felt like also too they kind of organized the celebrities by like their franchises. <laughs> so all the Halloween people were were over in one area. So you had Nick Castle. You had PJ Souls. Nancy Loomis and and Nancy, Nancy Loomis, um, <clears throat> and then you had uh, like all the Friday people together. So you, you had Amy Steele, you had Adrian King, <coughs> Ari Lehman. Yep. Um, Derek Mears. Derek Mears. Kurt, yeah. Kurt Singer. Kurt the. Oh. New, yeah. <coughs> Ken Kurtzinger, is that? What <coughs> yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I like going to this con in particular because um, over the years we've we've developed a lot of friendships with people uh, down in that area by going to this every year. So it's always kind of like a little reunion to get to see people we know we only get to see like once a year. Um, you know, got to do a little podcast recording with Nightmare Junkhead, which yep. was cool. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty awesome, pretty kick ass, a lot of fun. This week's video update we recorded there. That's right, yep. Um, Good, so I don't have to do one. <laughs> That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Still next week. <clears throat> anyway, oh, yes. Yep. That sounds like fun. Did you, uh, you didn't get your nipples pinched though, right? No. No, damn it. That. I tried. If I knew that was on the table. Now the p- listeners are like, well, I don't even want to know. <laughs> That's a bonus, bonus episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh, sounds like it was a fun weekend. Sure was. I sort of wish I could have gone, but I had I had a fun weekend too because we went and saw Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie, the Twins of Evil Second Coming tour in St. Louis. That was a lot of fun. Cool. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but I can relate it to that in a way because, uh, <laughs> because Rob Zombie showed his teaser trailer for uh, Three from Hell. Oh, nice. Shit. So that was cool. It, it wasn't uh, in typical Rob Zombie fashion. It was like a lot of it was composed of clips and photos from Devil's Rejects, but there was some new photos and some new footage shown. And uh, it was it was it got almost it got a bigger cheer than most of Manson's songs did. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he sort of it was cool because he closed the set out. And uh, you know, and then he came back for an encore, and he started the encore with the trailer with like all the lights off, and then the trailer just started playing on all the big video screens. That was cool. And like I said, and at the end when it says you know coming twenty nineteen, that's when people like lost their mind because I think a lot of people just don't realize you know they don't they don't tr- like prowl on all the movie websites like we do. So they a lot of people probably had no idea it was coming. Yeah. So. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. I love his. If you've never seen Rob Zombie live, it is like watching a live horror movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Manson was there. His band was uh, really good. <laughs> he, and I feel like he. I don't know, man. 
I'm not going to like rant on this podcast about Marilyn Manson, but I, I used to love the guy when I was younger. Uh, he hasn't really taken care of himself. He hasn't really, I don't know. He's just, I feel like uh, he was just there to get his check. It felt like a PG-13 version of Marilyn Manson. It was just, oh. yeah, I don't know. For for a dude that used to you know, get blamed for every school shooting, like the, the most... Uh, crazy thing he did was smoked a little weed on stage. I'm like, that's what you got? Come on. <laughs> but anyways, he, what were you going to say? Did he do that terrible version of Cry Little Sister? He did. He closed the set with it, and I was looking forward to it because I heard he was doing it, and uh, yeah, he didn't even, I don't know, he, he can't even do that right. <laughs> no, even the recorded version, if you haven't heard of it yet, he sounds terrible on it. Yeah, his his screaming voice is still there, and it sounds awesome when he when he's screaming. But when he's trying to sing, he just doesn't even. It's like he doesn't try to hit notes anymore. He just sort of talks his lyrics. Yeah, and I hate when musicians do that shit. And that really pisses me off because I've I've seen Zombie a couple of times, and I really, really want to take the kids to see him because I know they love it because they yeah. like his music and his shows are amazing. But he never just tours on his own anymore. It's always these co-headliners, and the co-headliner is always something I just do not give a shit about seeing, and it like doubles the fucking ticket price. Well, yeah, and that's how I mean, this one was. If I could take was. the kids to see Zombie for forty bucks at a club, that would be awesome. But I'm not going to pay sixty or seventy to take him to a stadium show. Where he's gonna only like play for an hour, and then I have to sit through something I don't want to see. Yeah, we we hadn't seen him since he was headlining. Like we last time we saw him, he was in Des Moines and he played at um, maybe oh, Valair Ballroom, and it was fucking awesome because it was you know oh, it, was, yeah. it was just him and he played for like two hours, and it was every you know there's no seating, it's just general admission, and, and there's no bad spot in the place. But you know this. Of course, he still put on a fantastic show and uh, everything, but like you said, the set list was was like cut in half because of Manson, and we hadn't seen Manson, so it was like, oh, we're sort of excited just to check that one off the list, and afterwards, I was sort of wishing uh, Manson wasn't there, but... And, and kind of like you were saying, like, I would have liked to have seen Manson on, like, you know, even, like, up to the Hollywood tour, because I really like Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and that was back when he, you know, could still do it, but I've, I've heard other reports from friends who've seen him in the last year or two, and if they say the same thing, like, it's, like, sad, fat, middle-aged Marilyn Manson who has to sit down during songs, because he can't do it. And shit, the first time I saw Rob Zombie, it was with Ozzy on the Merry Mayhem tour. So, I mean, I've seen, you know, sad drug-addled Ozzy who has to read his lyrics off a teleprompter, and that was even less depressing than just <laughs> hearing oh. about Marilyn Manson. Because it was still, like, Ozzy's still fun. You he still jumps around. He can't really sing yeah. anymore. Yeah, he still moons the crowd <laughs> and throws buckets of water at people. And Yeah, he brought these, like, four, he picked four girls out of the crowd. Oh. He, like, he, he did this thing where he was like, um, who would kill for me? Who would, who would kill for me? And he picked, like, four girls that were going crazy in the front. He brought them up. And all they did was dance during a song. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It was so awkward. Goth teenagers in 1996. Those guys nobody gives a shit anymore. Yeah, it was it was weird because like we were all sort of like, oh, here he goes. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? And he literally like he handed one of them the mic, and they didn't know the words to the song. 
they, they pass awesome. it to someone else. He pass it. They pass it to the second girl who did not know the words. Um, pass awesome. it to a third girl who knew the words, but she was like super shy, so she was singing very quietly. And then when the song finished, he just asked for a kiss on the cheek from all of them and made them go sit back down. <laughs> kiss on the cheek? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck oh. is he going to mall Santa? <laughs> <laughs> I think he actually said at the end of that song when he made him sit down, he's like, and they say I don't have respect for women. I'm like, oh my god! When you have to say it like that, yeah, yeah. And that's Uh, like calling up fans who would quote unquote kill for him, hands him the mic, and they don't even know (laughs) the the songs. Yeah. Another interjection here of Godzilla (laughs) stuff, and then I'll stop until later because I've got more. (laughs) <laughs> later in the show <laughs> of course I do. show about rap yeah. they, they always end G-Fest every year with this thing called Kaiju Confessions who's run by this dude named Stan Hyde who I don't know where he gets he's a theater teacher so that's where I guess he's got his energy but he just you know he works the crowd and it's amazing and he puts together this big compilation of songs from kaiju movies so some of them are like the really bad english language song the words get stuck in my throat from war of the gargantuas and yeah. the gamma song from mystery science theater and, and he, you know he'll put the lyrics up with a little bouncing ball and everyone sings along and he's got some dances made up for some of them and everyone and a couple of them are the songs like uh mirabe's prayer from godzilla versus mecha godzilla where the priestess has to sing a song to king caesar to wake him up and he goes like I don't even have the Japanese lyrics to this one, but it turns out you know we can just hum or whatever, and we'll watch the song. And somebody, this girl, runs up, and says, "Let me do it." Grabs the microphone from him, sings it beautifully, all in Japanese from memory. Oh shit! <laughs> so wow. there's your dedicated fans. <laughs> somebody would kill for kaiju there. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. I think the uh, actually I, I had one more quick thing. I don't know if anyone else watched it, but it's almost, it feels like it was so long ago, but uh, it was actually just like the day we, or the day after we recorded the last podcast, saw the first purge. Did anybody else see it? Not no, yet. No. No. no, it was, it was actually pretty good. It wasn't, uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I won't say much because you guys haven't seen it, but it's definitely worth watching. It's, I still like the purge anarchy probably the most out of all of them, but it, this is, uh, this is definitely a different turn in the series. They're not doing the same thing in this movie, which is good. Just tell me this. Because remember I said last time, like, I was kind of mad about the last one because I thought we were going to get, like, a good political satire and then they kind of dropped the ball. Is it going to satisfy that for what I want from it? Is it is it strongly political enough? Yeah, I think so because um, it's, it's it was directed by um, an Afri- African-American director and it's about the... Um, pretty much about the government starting the purge and using it to um, sort of take out the projects and um, thin out the herds of um, minorities. So it's okay. very, yeah. It, it's so it sounds very, like, yes, this is finally the purge that I've been waiting for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it has some some cheesy stuff, but there's, uh, but there's, there's the lead uh, male actor that is in the movie that sort of I won't spoil anything, but he's really good. He, he's sort of a breakout. I think uh, we'll see a lot more of him in the future. So definitely go watch cool. it. That's what I watch. That's what we watch. Yay! Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So yeah, we should probably get into uh, some rat movies here. <clears throat> um, Brian, why don't you start us off with a particular rat film? 
All right. Well, I'm going to talk about the only one that I liked and no one else did. Oh, oh don't say no one else. Oh, okay, good. Well, Jason said you fell asleep during it, so I was worried that I was was also. It was also like what one in the morning. Something. It was eleven thirty at night. No, it was like (laughs) it was like three. It was eleven thirty by the end of the movie. Uh, I'll give you a pass on that, then. So, all right. (laughs) I would like to start off with was it two thousand elevens? Yeah, two thousand. Yes, two thousand elevens. Rat scratch fever. (laughs) <laughs> written and directed by Jeff Leroy, who I looked up, and he has uh, an interesting filmography, which we can talk about in a little bit. But Rat Scratch Fever is the story of a, a space exploration team who's gone to a new planet that's been discovered near the solar system called Planet X. And we we open in the middle of catastrophe, right? The, the yep. team is under attack by giant rats. They have discovered some sort of ancient temple. It, it, he kind of took a little a cue from uh, Dan O'Bannon's original Alien script, I think, where the, the astronauts are supposed to have discovered this enormous pyramid that looks like a temple with all these weird hieroglyphs and stuff. So they discover this weird temple on this planet. They, I mean, even walking inside apparently was a bad idea because they are immediately beset by giant rats. Everyone dies except for Sonya, who is able to pilot uh, their ship back to Earth but unfortunately, she has brought with her the leader of the giant rats, who is somehow, well, no, not somehow, I guess we see it, crawls up her vag and, and takes root in her head, uh, the leader of the rats. And once she is on planet Earth, he, he managed to, he, he unleashes his ratty hordes and destruction ensues. This movie is just insane. Yeah, you're not wrong uh, there. Every second of it, <laughs> it it plays like kind of like I don't know if you guys have seen Manborg, the Astron Six movie. Oh yeah, where it's mm-hmm. like ninety percent green screen with a bunch of weird practical effects on like super low budget. This is kind of like that, but but more um, almost more ambitious because it's longer. This is a feature length movie. I think Manborg's only like 45 minutes long or something like that. And so all the backgrounds, all the, the cityscapes and the weird planet stuff is just actors in front of a green screen and they have a few limited sets for actors to work on. And then all of the rats and even better, the thing that really made my heart leap with joy is all the weird space vehicles and tanks and stuff are models yeah. There's so much great, I mean, not on the level of, like, Toho models. This is clearly super yeah. low budget, but everyone's just giving it their all with pure love. So we got all these crazy tanks shooting missiles and, and spaceships and, and uh, mecha, you know, like, weird machines, you know, army battle machines and stuff, fighting giant rats, which are either represented by real rats on miniature sets that you know, like with firecrackers going off to represent explosions, which one of my, or like puppet, like full size, you know, puppet rats that somebody's just, you know, whacking the actor with and they pretend they're being attacked. <laughs> and, and a lot of that is augmented with like super cheap post-production CGI too. So this is just one of those like, you know, basically you think Astron six is crazy. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> And just just the sheer gumption they had to even try something like this on this low of a budget, and how well they do with it. I mean, this movie is a fucking riot. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes is there's a, a rat attacking a car, 
and it's like a little matchbox pickup truck with like a dollar store rubber rat glued to the top of it and somebody just pushes <laughs> off a model bridge pushes it off a model bridge and like blows up some firecrackers underneath it <laughs> that's yeah. I, I like this one a thousand times more than that last Astron 6 movie we watched Father's Day? yeah you like this really? better than Father's Day? oh fuck yeah Father's Day I hate it just because it was so, it was so, it was so vulgar and so. It was just too. It was okay. And no, they I'm, tried so hard to be assholes. Was, I know where you're you com- know, but I could see where you're coming like from. Like this, I totally agree with Brian. Like Jesus, the heart is on the sleeve, and it's these guys are working their asses off just trying shit. I mean, yes, I agree with you too, Mike. It could be called Explosion the movie. Yeah, that's what I was calling it. <laughs> <laughs> Because that little whole last half of the movie is all expl- just exploding for. It, it does minutes. get a little. So like, they could have maybe trimmed 10 minutes out of it. And I think it would be a little tighter. Because it did get a little. Okay, we, yeah, you, you have that one explosion effect, and you're going to keep fucking using it. <laughs> Everything blew up in this movie. But yeah, I, just, I wanted to surprise Brian. I, I, kinda, I did like this because uh, it was fun. And. I mean, how about how awesome was the part where the girl's head would split That's in half? My yes. favorite the, part. Isn't that the best? And then the rat is in the goo. Riding of the, the oh. What's remaining of the head? Fuck yeah, that's that freaking was awesome. awesome. And that's that's one of the parts that I was thinking of. What I said like kind of <laughs> augmented the practical effects because her head splits open, the little rat puppet pops out and starts like piloting her that's around awesome. like it's driving a Gundam or something. And uh, but they they kind of warp it a little bit, like they kind of blur the edges so you don't yeah, it see how look great, bad the rubber but, looks. <laughs> but still cool. Yeah. Oh the, yeah, yeah. It's, the it's whole, awesome. The whole con I just that's my favorite thing of this whole movie, the whole concept of this, you know, the king rat climbing inside the girl and and like starting to control her from the inside and you get to see you know, kind of X-ray shots at times where the rats in her guts in like and, yeah. swimming around in her guts and shit like that. Um so ambitious. Yet she's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love the total like fuck science con- of this whole concept of this whole like rat taking over this woman. And that's like I totally bought it. It's like okay, it, it's a giant king rat from out. Which the, it's not really giant. I guess the king rat is like smaller than his minions that are like you know the size of a pickup truck, <clears throat> but. I just okay if he can climb inside someone and mind control her. Sure, why not keep her alive? Like it's it's a space rat; he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yep, yep. Uh, I I was just I was so excited to watch this one because I'd never heard of it. I had no idea it even existed. And then when we when I suggested the episode, and I was just thinking like you know we'll talk about Food of the Gods and Deadly Eyes and you know whatever. There's there's plenty of rat movies. And you posted the trailer to this movie <laughs> in yep. uh, either the Slack thread or the Facebook group chat. And I watched it, and it was just like my jaw was on the floor. Like, I'm watching this tonight. Oh, my God, I have to see this. Tad still isn't sure if you're serious. If we're serious no, talking no, about totally it. serious. I adored this movie. <laughs> and the, 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 the space program is a privatized space program, too, which expl- like it's led by this multi-gajillionaire fucking James Bond villain named Dr. Steel. Well, yeah, who's Dr. basically Steel. the claw from, uh, oh, Inspector Gadget. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> totally. You know, his face is all weird and melty for, I don't know, because they wanted it to be, I guess. And, uh, 
yeah, he, he runs this private space program and he wanted to explore this planet, presumably to mine it for resources or whatever. And, um, so he's got all these, we, you know, his, his base is full of all these bizarre sci-fi tanks, which they look like that's a lot of fun making the models too. Cause they're just kit bashes. Like I'm sure they just went out to the hobby store and bought like 16 model vehicles and just started gluing parts from all of them back and forth together. So there's like a little dune buggy and there's a big armored thing with like six wheels and some cannons on top. And yeah, this movie was super fun. And the, uh, the writer director, Jeff Leroy, he's got uh, 20 directing credits and they're almost all, um, like direct to video soft core skin flick horror movies. So some of the titles are eyes of the werewolf Werewolf in a Women's Prison. Um, he's got a Dracula in a Women's Prison. Dracula's Sorority Sisters, which is completed but not released yet. And I think a lot of these are on Prime. So I'm definitely going to... He's made a couple of movies for on Jeremy, <laughs> like crime drama movies and stuff. So if, if they're all like this... And I have a feeling they're not. Like, this seems like... This had to be a labor of love. Like it must have taken so oh, yeah. much time and effort to complete that I can't imagine every one of his movies is like this. Just because how could you? Like how could you keep that pace up, that energy? You know. You watch it; it looks so ambitious. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if some of his films are in the same vein because I'm looking at the description for Giantess Attack. Two unemploy- unemployable wait- er, actresses become real superheroes thanks to twin space fairies. <laughs> uh, you yeah, should that, check it out. It, it says, like, gi- giant monster movies with old-school toy tanks and miniature models. Yep, I'm, I'm going to watch the shit out of this, because I see it is on Prime, according to Amazon. So, yep, I'll be watching this one We'll soon. start his new Jeff Leroy segment uh, starting yep. next week, and... I say, just don't make it a podcast episode, please. <laughs> just for you, Ted. Well, like when your birthday rolls around, we'll do the Jeff Leroy episode. Just for and me. I'll and I'll make sure to skip that one. <laughs> so, with that said, Tad, what's your review of uh, Rat Scratch Fever? I don't know. I I I don't know. Man. I'm not gonna. I don't want to just shit on it because. Uh, like you guys said, it's ambitious, and I can appreciate the effort that went into it, um, but it's just not, I don't know, it reminds me of, I wouldn't even say like a sci-fi original, it's just something that I was tolerating while it was on. It was like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, it, it feels like it's it's probably, is it the newest one on our list as far as uh, time goes? Yeah, it feels like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like... <clears throat> Even in the other movies, when you put a rat costume on a dog, it looks better. I don't know, man. Like <laughs> there, there were scene, there were scenes when they were like biting the, towards the end when they were cr- like coming through the wall and pulling people in, and they had glowing red eyes. And like when the rats' heads would move, like the eyes wouldn't keep up with the head. Yeah. <laughs> it was like well, that's what I said. It's it's all like shitty post production, like done on somebody's laptop. Just think about this. You've seen the movie Monsters, right? Yeah. Gareth Edwards did all of the computer effects for the aliens in that movie by himself on a MacBook. Mm-hmm. And 
he made so it that, look like that. And so, so this person must have Windows ninety five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they did all the effects in MS Paint because this is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, when you said sci fi original, I was thinking, no, this makes the Asylum look like fucking Lucasfilm. <laughs> yeah. 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 I loved the uh, hated loved the uh, the main lead guy because he was so not a main lead guy. Oh yeah. yeah, he was awesome. Wasn't he awesome though? Even though he wasn't, because because he wasn't <laughs> right. Yeah, Does and not... the motherfucker lived through the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> Just like how it's like how he's trying to be all tough and shit. Right, and he's not. No, no. <laughs> but so but he I, broke all those bottles. That's true. <laughs> as soon as I saw him sitting there on the counter, I'm like, those bottles aren't aren't lasting. Yeah, you did say that. Too. <laughs> you literally said that. The bottles are coming down. But they gave it that super low, no-budget quality. Like, my, a lot, these are mostly friends. Yeah. Acting. Not actors, but friends. Yeah. I mean, I know you give me shit all the time, Jason, about, like, how I can dismiss, you know, like, some big, beautiful Hollywood movie, but, like, this is the shit I latch on to. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't have a good answer for you, but... You know, I I love this, this, this no budget again. But if it's done with heart and with um and with the drive to try to do something unique and cool, you know, because there was another filmmaker that I bitched about on on yesterday, uh, at, right after uh, a certain Q and A, that uh, that I don't feel that is the case. I think bitching about him made me like this movie more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this should probably be a new sub-sub-sub-genre called um, Against a Green Screen, where the whole move, where it's a whole movie that's shot against... Because you brought up Manborg, and I forgot about that one. Um, and of course, there's Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, which is like the big-budget one. Yeah. Yeah, there's two opposite ends of the spectrum of movies that are shot completely against the green screen. There's... Sky Captain, and then on the very low end, there's the Incredible Bulk. Have you ever seen that one? No. Oh, it's bad. It, it's it's painful to watch. It's it's not even fun, you know. And he thinks this one's fun. It is. is it, so. This is fun. <coughs> I have to disagree. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I respect what they were trying to do here. I really do. It it shows that they. Really, really tried, but I had absolutely no fun with this movie. I couldn't wait for it to be over. <laughs> it, it just, I, I mean, they killed a baby. That that was, <laughs> that was neat. Uh, that, that was like okay. Well, you're you're trying to be shocking here, but it's not the only movie on this list though that killed a baby. No, it is not. No, it is not. But yeah. I I couldn't do this one. <laughs> I was like Adam. looking forward to doing my laundry. I was like, oh, I got laundry to do after this. <laughs> Hell yeah. This this movie took me probably four hours to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like ten. Hmm. Dude, can I set up a dentist appointment? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were probably looking for a dog uh, dog care product. Oh. Right. 
I thought I my that... dog has some shampoo around here I can rub in my eyes. <laughs> I thought the best thing this movie had going for it was the editing. Because it was fast. Yeah. You know, you never had to sit and linger on how... Because if you, if you had another second, you'd be, you'd be like, oh yeah, that is shitty. <laughs> you had another second to look around, you'd be like... But that's so why I thought that the editing was tight as fuck and mm-hmm. fast, and that only well, they, helped it, I thought. Well, and how big were the bigger rats supposed to be? Which because shot. Yeah. yeah. At, <laughs> at, at some points, they were like the size of a St. Bernard, and then when she got back on the ship, they were like half the size of the ship when she was trying to take off. <laughs> so... I don't it's hard, hard to keep scale right when you're editing your movie in MS Paint, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Maybe I'm being a little too but hard they, on But they way. built sets. There's sets, you know, inside those vehicles and the spaceship. And I appreciated going back and forth between the models and the sets. And even those, oh. even if those sets had terrible actors in them. But it was oh, still... and I, I, one thing I really didn't understand, when they were driving the model trucks around... <laughs> Why did they feel the need to try and, like, Photoshop a person into the <laughs> driver's side window? Because <laughs> they could. That effect was terrible. And, you know what that made me think of? Have you guys ever seen, well, I'm guessing Mike has, but have the rest of you ever seen the movie Reptilicus? <laughs> no. No, I don't okay. think so. Well, it's a Danish kaiju movie. It was the first movie in the re, reborn, reborn, rebooted, whatever they want to call it, Mystery Science Theater came out last year there's a scene where the monster eats a farmer like it pushes its head through the roof of his house and eats him and they the monster is this goofy little marionette and the way they made it eat a farmer rather than put like a little doll in its mouth is they like took photos of the actor and then like you know 2d cut them out and animated them like they do with south park (laughs) (laughs) And, like, made it look like he was swallowing this little paper dude. (laughs) Oh, wow. Cool. Sorry, I'm, like, scrolling through all of uh, Jeff Leroy's movies right now. You are praising the fact that they actually had a couple of sets. Um, A lot of the stuff that was shot on sets was actually shot in a porn studio. I'd rather that. watch the porn. <laughs> well, and he, like I said, he's made some movies with Ron Jeremy, so I'm getting a lot of his movies are like kind of softcore skin flicks, which that's, you know, there was a lot of gore in this movie, and they obviously weren't, you know, trying to keep it PG for anybody, so I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't more exploitative in that regard. Like, you'd think there would have been more nudity, but I'm What's... not complaining. I still love the movie. I just thought that was kind of a strange omission. Yeah, you you're right. It is kind of weird that they didn't have more of that. Little over half of the podcast agrees that it's <laughs> worth a view. Look, it's free on Amazon Prime. Have some friends over, crack a beer. That's the way to watch this one. Hell yeah! Couple Unless lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tad, what's the next one we should talk about? Let's do. Hmm. I like the rest of them, so I'm gonna go with. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'll go with Willard, Sweet. and I'll say 
that this was a first time watch for me. Really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if it was my like movie snobbery back when this came out in 2003. Like when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch some mainstream Willard horror movie with rats with CGI. It looks stupid, but um. I just never got around to watching it, and now that I've seen it, I'm like, ah, oh, this is actually not fun, but it's it was worth a watch. It's definitely, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Of course, you know, I should have known better that Crispin Glover, you know, he's awesome in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, but story's pretty simple. Um, Crispin Glover plays sort of a hermit who lives with his mother at home, um, works in an office where his, his uh, father used to own the office, and now... He just sort of works there, so the boss has to keep him hired, and his boss is Arlie Ermey, who's a complete asshole in this movie, as he always sort of is in all of the movies, but he plays, uh, doesn't play anybody in the military, so that's sort of weird, (laughs) and uh, he sort of just picks on Willard and and, uh, is a gigantic dick asshole boss throughout the film. Willard uh, befriends a big group of rats in his mother's basement um, that end up getting him in more trouble than it's worth, and then eventually the rats sort of turn on Willard too, and yeah, it's it has a lot of sad stuff in it. Um, it has some funny moments too, but Crispin Glover gives it his all, and I think uh, I, I, I don't know if I would like the movie nearly as much if it wasn't Crispin Glover, but I, I really enjoyed this one for my first time view. What do you guys think? I completely agree. This is this is like the ultimate Crispin Glover vehicle. I can't. Th- well, especially the fact that so much of the movie you know, hinges on his performance and him doing scenes where his scene partners are rats. Yep. You know, there's so much of this movie. It's just him and the rats. Right, and and there's even some great like solo moments of him, you know, dealing with like the death of his mother, and like, <clears throat> you know, when he um, when he's about to kill himself, you know, going through his dad's stuff and some really crazy emotional stuff. But like, and just how of a recluse character that Willard is, and how Crispin just really, oh man, like you're right, I, nobody could do it. I don't think, you know, like Crispin. So this movie. This movie's all him, and I I've always been a huge Crispin Glover fan, and the the more out there characters that he does, the more I love him. So, um, but yeah, I've I've always been a fan of this movie. Um, I've always I've liked everything about it. Um, I, I didn't realize till lately that Glenn Morgan is the director, and he also directed the Black Christmas remake, which um, I boycotted forever. In my anti-remake snobbery days, um, but uh, when I finally got around to watching it, I fucking love it. I love that version of Black Christmas. Um, to me, it's just another movie that happens to be called Black Christmas. It's not a. F- he's not trying to do what Bob Clark did back in the seventies. But what's just great is that this guy's this guy's eye for the frame. Um, just really taps into what I love, you know. It, it, both of them have like just beautiful color palettes. Um, their locations are are practically characters in and of themselves. Like the house in Willard is just so much of this movie, 
and then the the office with its like drab green colors and all that um but let's also like not forget about the rats themselves the rats are freaking awesome in this like <clears throat> there is there is a war going on between three people and well two people really um there's there's Willard and he befriends this white rat named Socrates and it's like literally his best friend. He takes it to bed with him and all this stuff. And there's this ginormous black rat called Ben that uh you know, you just there's just shots of Ben where you're just like, Oh, this rat's fucking jealous right now. Or this rat's scamming something. It's just a close up shot of a rat, you know, but like the way they shot it, the rat they used, you know, the the way they told the story. Um, I really got involved into the rat's story and how, you know, there's this rivalry between Socrates and Ben where Socrates is all just, he just loves Willard and, you know, and Willard is his best friend too and like just how Ben just wants total dominance because Socrates is the leader of the rats. You know, Socrates is the one who basically um, tells the rats what to do and um and and Ben is jealous of and he wants that power, you know. He wants to be able to sleep in bed with Willard and he wants to be the one that crawls inside the bag and and goes out on the mission and oh it's just yeah, I could go on, but I should probably well, let somebody did. else talk. So Jason. You took all my notes. Seriously, I oh. <laughs> you said everything that I wrote down. I agree with Mike. But yeah, my I loved the color of the of the movie. It's so brown, and I thought the cinematography was fucking amazing. Yeah. There's some shots in there that are fucking masterful. Um, yep, yeah, Arlie's the best bad guy. Crispin's the perfect crazy weirdo. Um, the mom is super gross, especially super gross. her death. Um, I love the shot where. At the end, where he's coming up the elevator and all the rats kind of peel down around him, that's super fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that shot. That's like one of those. Yeah. They, they didn't use a ton of CG. They mostly used real rats. They only did the CG when they kind of had to because you just couldn't do that practically. But it looked awesome. Yeah. And then I wrote, Agreed. "Why no sequel?" Because it kind of because it kind of bombed, didn't it? Oh. I haven't studied the box office my whole life. Well, I just heard. I I, well, I just heard, like, Glenn Morgan just being. He hasn't directed a lot of films, and I, you know, um, that's a damn I, shame. We need to get him to do some more good remakes. Yeah, because um, he seems to have a talent for that. Oh yeah, I lost money. Because I love the Black Christmas remake too. Oh sweet. Oh, thank God. I was worried I was going to have my head on a chopping block. for. T- no, I think it's a lot of fun, too. I really do. No, <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Black Christmas remake as well. Oh! I, actually don't, I actually don't care for the original. So. What? Okay. Well, now your head's on a chopping block. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the original Black Christmas is one of my favorite movies. Again, it's that Bob Clark '70s era that I just I love so much. But whatever. And I haven't I haven't seen it in a while. I I do want to give it another chance. I have a feeling I might be more because I saw it many 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 years ago, and I maybe just wasn't in the mood for that type of movie when I watched it. So I want to see it again. But I love the remake because of the just the bizarre exploitative 
Yeah. Or not exploitive, but exploitation sense of humor that it has. Yeah. And this this doesn't have that. This is a very serious movie, but it's a fantastic movie. I mean, Chris, and I've, I've, I've never seen the original Willard. So again, I had no reason to get all butthurt that they remade it. And I saw it when it first came out on video, and I thought, yeah, it was okay. So when I watched it again for the show, I was surprised at how much I liked it. Because, I mean, yeah, it's, it, solid. it's really, good. really good. I mean, Crispin Glover's fucking awesome. I was echoing all the stuff you guys said. Crispin's great. Arlie's great. Ben, here comes Captain Science, is actually played by a giant Gambian pouched rat. So um, he's not a regular rat. He's something special. That's why he's so damn big. They can get uh, up to two feet long and weigh over six pounds. So that is a rat that could really kick a cat's ass. But they're fairly docile creatures, so they're not like big, scary, you know sewer rat monsters they're just big oh and that's that's an interesting thing too about the way they handle this rats and or the rats in this movie the rat There's, play is what really makes this movie oh yeah when he's training the rats and the, you know that whole montage was really cool but beyond that there's like moments where like they're they just seem kind of cute and lovable and then other times they're just like evil and gross you know <laughs> so um, well, Jason, uh, like, how would you compare the two then? <coughs> well, since you uh, just recently since I just watched, watched the original, the original yeah. um, story is very similar. It's basically the same thing. Is there is, beat is by that, beat. It's been forever since I've seen it because I don't remember a damn thing. But is that power play between the? Yeah, it's in there. You know, <coughs> he's called Ben and Socrates, and it's a white rat and a, another rat. It's not as big or anything, but yeah. The rat play, you know, it's, you know, there's there's shots on the rat, you know, you he's trying to think what he's thinking, and but it's nothing like it is in the remake, like the the shots and the music, and the way it is in the story, like, to, to, it, I don't know, it, it develops something just showing these rats in the remake, you, you don't need words and you don't need. And you're like, you totally know what the fuck's going on. You're yeah. just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And so I, that stuff wasn't nearly as strong in the first one. And it's kind of funny in the first, or in the original, There, there's, it's obvious that there are people off screen throwing rats on people. Because <laughs> the way they're flying in onto people. But, so it's it's actually super similar. Um, but, but. It, and before this remake, yeah, it, it was probably an awesome fucking movie, but I think the remake blows it out of the water. I mean, it's totally solid, but the the remake has everything going for it. It's it's all Crispin. Yeah. Appar- apparently, he found Arlie Ermey's, like angry drill sergeant yelling at everyone thing to be really really funny. So <laughs> during those, like they they would often have to stop shooting while he controlled his giggles <laughs> or like he'd be off going on what while they were doing their scenes together he'd be just in fits of laughter while Arlie was screaming at him <laughs> i love that all the pictures in willard's house of his father it's it's bruce davidson bruce davidson yeah the original yeah. willard yeah that's super cool for them to do uh-huh looking at the box office yeah it was the budget was 22 million opening weekend was four well, see, that's and cumulative worldwide is eight and a half. So that's so, what I heard. I don't know. I can't remember if, 
if if Glenn has said he's been kind of ostracized as a director, or he's Directed just frustrated jail. and doesn't want to direct anymore, because two of two of his most you know, <coughs> biggest films were that he's done as a director were box office failures, <coughs> and we're sitting here praising both of them. Well, yeah. So studio wise, he probably went to director jail, but it takes you know the people and the time yeah. to get him out if he wants. I think, but yeah. It, you don't get to make more movies after bombing like that, sadly. Yeah. So, Derek, what were you, what are your thoughts? <coughs> I I really enjoyed this movie. This is the first time I'd in oh probably close to ten years, and yeah. Um, pretty much just echoing everything you guys said i i love the uh the use of practical over cgi but then that scene where they had to use cgi of the rats pouring out of the elevator i absolutely love that that scene i remembered it from what and and yeah it still held up uh crispin glover always great he plays a creepy weirdo Almost too. Um, and I yeah. think he kind of uh, is a creepy weirdo. So well, yeah, <laughs> probably yeah. Helps. Oh my I get the feeling he's just playing a version of himself in these movies. Mm-hmm. That fucking scene where he's kind of getting fired—he loses his fucking mind on Arlie. But then, just at the end, he's like, and he just kind of comes back down. He's like, "Okay, oh." I'm like, "Holy shit!" Such a great scene. Oh, bipolar. Such a great Crispin moment, man. Yeah. Ah. Uh. No, really, really do enjoy this movie. Um, and and it, I I watched it kind of during my remake snobbery as well and kind of had to eat crow because of it. It, Yeah, it made me feel like a dick. <laughs> um, but yeah. And... And you you kind of brought it up, Jason, but the score to this movie. It's fantastic. Loved it. Not just because Crispin does a song. Well, yeah. Yeah, did you guys all stay for the credits there, or Crispin does his version of Michael Jackson's Ben? Yeah. No. Oh, it's awesome. It's actually pretty good. It's Unlike really- Crispin's other music, which now. I really love, but you know it's not good. All good. Um, and they're on the DVD. I don't. Is there a Blu-ray of this, dude? I know. I, well, I have the probably DVD. not a restored version or anything. But. Yeah, I I have the DVD and it's got a music video of Crispin Glover's version of Ben, which you can find on YouTube. I'm watching it right now, so I, I recommend checking that out. Because like, when you let Crispin do what he wants. 100% as an artist, which I have a feeling that's what this music video is, and his and his version of the song is, then, like, it's just, a, it's just insanity. Did anyone else notice that uh, when he's feeding the rats to kind of, you know, tame them and make them his army, <laughs> he's feeding them, like, out of this <laughs> container, like a snack mix container, and it's called Numb Nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Um, I love the opening credit sequence with all that stop motion shit. 
yeah. I love that. I love that stuff. Yeah, that's. I miss that. That's what I, I think I posted something on Facebook when I started watching. It's like I, I miss that like early, like late '90s, early 2000s. <laughs> a lot of movies. I'm assuming it was the same company because you know typically credits are farmed out to people who specialize in doing that type of thing. And uh, the the other one that really springs to mind is William Malone's remake of House on Haunted Hill, which is another remake that I love that a lot of people don't like. I really liked that. Yeah, and that, that's well. coming out on Blu-ray soon from Shout Factory. Yay. Oh, thank God. But yeah, I wish, like, I mean, I'm sure at the time everyone was like, fuck, another one of these, but it's time for that to make a comeback. I mean, not everyone has to do it, but I'd like to see somebody put some effort into their opening credits again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when there are opening credits, yeah, it credits feels like true. anymore, to the end, especially with the you know the big blockbuster movies anymore. There's just there's barely even the title. It's weird how it's evolved over the years. Yeah, the title sequence, credit sequence. Didn't didn't the opening <coughs> sequence to House on Haunted Hill use Marilyn Manson's version of Sweet Dreams? It did. Yeah, I into earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I almost wonder if the two credit sequences weren't done by the same guy or team or whatever, who you know, whoever was used to specialize in making credits, because they're so similar. Yeah, I don't remember. It might be the same outfit that did them both. I'm gonna have to check it out. I just, I just love, I love creepy ass stop motion. Like Mm -hmm. Brothers Corey is awesome. That stuff's awesome. I can never say his name, Jan something or other from from the from the Czech Republic. Uh, he does a lot of films that are stop motion and just you know they're just disturbingly weird. Um, in the opening credits uh, uh, during the stop motion sequence, uh, it features Crispin Glover's book Rat Catching, which I don't have the book, but I've got Crispin Glover's album where he reads excerpts from the book. On the album, riveting. Is it? What's it about? Is it like a novel or uh, it's some more of his weird shit? <laughs> it's just weird. It's just weird shit because the segments he reads on the album um, sound like instructional manual to uh, catching rats. So um, that seems in line with something you would do. <clears throat> yeah, and. I, I just love that album. It's awesome, dude. He does a version of "These Boots Are Made for Walking" where he screams the lyrics, it's and funny. it's awesome. I don't know about awesome, but it's funny. And clowny clown clown. I know you love that That's song. A classic. But uh, the uh, Barnes and Barnes produced that album. Barnes and Barnes the guys that made Fish Heads and stuff, and so like the blending because the blending of their music with Crispin with Crispin's insanity. It's it's anyway. Uh, we should probably move on. Um, Derek, what movie should we talk about next? I watched Deadly Eyes for the first time ever, and I, I absolutely loved it. That's yeah, a good. Oh yeah, I Is re- it? I really enjoyed the the use of dachshunds as the <laughs> giant rat. That was fantastic. Um. The fact that the, I believe it was the first death in the movie was a baby. Oh yeah, that that was messed up. I was yeah, I could the first, not. The, the first death of the movie was a baby. I mean, it's like wow, they're I mean, they're going hard here. Here's the thing, they um, so it's the baby, and obviously the 
the girl gets it, but I don't know the relationship. Was she just a babysitter? Was that like her baby sister? I was confused on the relationship of all those kids that were at that party. Baby sister. Baby sister? I think it... Yeah, I think that was the older sister baby because she says something about our... I gotta make sure that the house doesn't get destroyed before our parents get home. But she's friends with those those kids that were hanging out at the house, right? Yes. Yeah. They never... Do they ever reference her again through the rest of the movie? Like, the movie (coughs) follows the blonde girl and her friend through a good portion of the movie. They're, They're part of the plot. But I don't remember them ever referencing... Like, how do they not realize that their friend is missing, too, now? And a baby. <laughs> and the baby. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted um, your... No, no. Uh, um, it just... I I can't believe I've never watched this before. Uh, Scatman Carruthers bites it in the most anticlimactic way ever. Just... <laughs> Rolls over and accepts it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it was very obvious that it was dogs in costumes at points, but I loved that. I will take that over CGI any day. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, and I found out that this is the same guy that directed uh, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, mm-hmm. Robert Klaus. Yeah, which was crazy to me, but it also explained why there were several references to Bruce Lee in that movie. Oh yeah, there's the Bruce Lee marathon. That that's what's going on in the theaters. The Bruce Lee marathon, and Robert Klaus. Yeah, yeah he's he's mostly known for all of his his uh, martial arts action films like Enter the Dragon. Uh-huh. Game of Death, so he did a couple of movies with, with uh, Bruce Lee, but he also did Black Belt Jones, Jim Cotta, uh, he directed the... <laughs> I love Jim Cotta, and especially Black Belt Jones. Oh yeah, Black Belt Jones is amazing. Um, and he directed uh, the China O'Brien movies, too, so... Um, and, like, Brian, I, maybe you could shine some light on this? Like, uh, the movie opens up, and... Um, and I see a credit for Golden Harvest. I'm like, this is a Golden Harvest production? Well, I think they put up, because Robert Klaus was already you know, like tied into the Kung Fu movie stuff, I think yeah. he probably brought them in as, or they brought him on. You know, Maybe this was something they funded first. I don't know exactly the story of you know, Chicken or the Egg, you know, which yeah. one of them came first. But obviously his ties to making Kung Fu movies with Bruce Lee somehow involved some Hong Kong money getting put into this, which it's a lot less bonkers than you'd expect for something that a Hong Kong company financed, but yeah, hey, I'm not going to complain. I would have liked to have seen, you know, Jackie Chan kicking some rat's asses or something. But. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. I, I mean, I liked this movie enough that immediately when it was over, I went, Went to try and find a Blu-ray copy of it. Ninety dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? No, because I've got on... that Stream Factory Blu-ray. I had no idea it was out of print. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I guess I better hang on to that sucker. Ninety dollars on. Ninety dollars on Amazon right now. Fuck. Well, did, didn't they after the the version of with special features of um, Life Force went out of print? Like, haven't they reissued some of their? Yeah. That just like. They're a big enough company, it surprises me that any of their shit is that limited. 
they're just one of those things like I kind of assumed they'd always be around. Like, because even a lot of their older stuff you can still get off their site or Amazon or Deep Discount or whatever. So I'm glad I jumped. And I probably, I mean, when I, I paid $20 for it and I was like, oh, that's kind of a lot for a goofy killer rat movie, but I've never seen it and I really want to. So I guess I'll buy this. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. Maybe you should look up Night Eyes. The original title. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because the version we watched had the Night Eyes title. Probably not. No, I think no. the Night Eyes title still comes up on the Deadly Eyes version. Blu-ray. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Now, sadly, one of the puppies um, died of of heat stroke and suffocation in the rat suit on the set. The dogs were not ill treated. They were treated very well. It's just dogs overheat easily, and when you wrap them in a costume and put them you know, 40 of them together in a room with stage lights on. It's going to be hard to keep them all healthy. So that's yeah, kind of a sad story from the production. But yeah. it, it's great. Some of the attack scenes, they they linger a little too long. And you can tell how happy the rats are to be eating people because their tails <laughs> are wagging. <laughs> and it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so for the longest time, one of my child memories of a movie that I didn't know what it was, um, but I saw it and it scared the shit out of me. Uh, my my oldest sister lives in Des Moines, and we used to go and spend weekends with her all the time. And they they were cool because they had HBO, right? Like you know, we had barely basic cable, so going to her house it was awesome. And um, then HBO because they had HBO. So I remember. Um, creeping. Well, they also they also had Nickelodeon before anybody even knew what Nickelodeon was. That's a whole other story I want to get into one of these days because the very early Nickelodeon programming is nuts. But uh, uh, I'm talking way before things like you can't do that on television. I'm talking about like literally turning on the air and this is what you get. Um, but. Uh, I remember creeping, I'm supposed to be asleep, and I creep downstairs, and my brother-in-law's watching a movie, and I just see this shot of, like, an overtop view of giant rats attacking a person, and wasn't ever sure what it was. Now I realize it's Deadly Eyes, and sadly, I, lo- I love this movie, I had a lot of fun with it, but sadly, it does, did, definitely did not hold up to that, uh, that childhood fear that I had of that this movie caused of giant rats, so. Yeah, like like I said before, it, it's kind of tame. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of blood. It, it's a fun little, you know, 80s monster movie, but it's it's pretty low-key. The kills aren't real graphic. Um, there isn't a lot of sex, except for that weird subplot with uh, Lisa Langlois from Class of 1984, who's, like, all trying to get up on her teacher. Um, that that's a little oh, icky, yeah. And uh, but the, this was actually based on a novel by a British horror author named James Herbert, and they changed a lot of stuff probably for budgetary reasons because the the book's a little closer to something like you'd think you'd get from Golden Harvest. Um, in the movie, it's uh, there's a, a shipment of contaminated grain that comes into New York Harbor. And the health inspector discovers that it's full of chemicals and completely unfit for human consumption, and they need to destroy it. So it opens with them burning this contaminated grain. But the rats have already gotten to it, right? And that's why they become giant. 
in the Roid book. raging rats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in, in the book, um, it's a, a zoologist who discovers some rats in New Guinea who have been exposed to nuclear tests, and he you know secretly brings them back to London and, and is breeding them with regular rats, and they escape. And uh, you know, giant rats roam the streets of London rather than New York. There are actually a couple of sequels to it, which I accidentally bought one and read it, not realizing it was a sequel to something, and it's like a post-apocalyptic, like a you know how Italian Mad Max knockoffs are frequently set in New York City because it was an easy place to shoot and it looked shitty enough that you could believe it was the <laughs> end of the world. Yeah, um, I'm reading this book and it's playing like you know 1990 Bronx Warriors with rats and I'm going, what the? I feel like I'm fucking missing something. And then I get to the end of the book and it's like also by James Herbert, the previous two novels in this series. I'm like, well, that's why. Mm. Um, but the original book ends with uh, the hero um, tracking the giant rats to their lair and, you know, destroying them all. But then he finds their leader, which is a giant albino hairless rat with two heads. What <laughs> Wouldn't that f- have been a way fucking cooler? That would have been awesome. Like an eight-foot-tall yes. animatronic two-headed rat monster in this. That would have well, been no, amazing like this movie as much. <laughs> Glad I didn't spend $90 on the Blu-ray. <laughs> Tad, what are your thoughts? Um, I really, I, I enjoyed this one. Uh, it was, <clears throat> I probably sh- shouldn't have uh, read anything about it ahead of time because I did you know, when I read that they put, you know, dogs in costumes for the rats, that was, like, what I was paying attention to the whole time, which mm. I guess that gives it its charm, because, like, Brian, I thought it was adorable. Uh, and Aww. then Brian crushed my dreams by telling me that a dog died. But Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Hey. I just ruin everything. <laughs> no, no, because, uh, you know, I think that's probably, like, the least harm that's been done, you know, out of some of these movies, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> This one, this one was, it sort of fell in the middle for me. I didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't um, dislike it as much as Rat Scratch Fever. Nearly. I mean, actually, I didn't dislike it at all. I just, I prefer um, the other two films. I, I liked Willard and The Food of the Gods a little bit better, but it was, it was good. It sort of had that grimy New York charm to it, uh, and. I don't know. It just it didn't stand out as much to me as the others, but you know, the whole time I was watching it, uh, Nikki was watching it with me, and she was like, uh, when I pointed out that the rats were dogs in costumes, she did like the whole time we're watching. She's like, oh, 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 look at them. <laughs> I'll tell you what. One scene that actually kind of got me a little bit, um, probably because like. There's there's this whole there, you know there's this whole other storyline going on you know with the with the the blonde girl trying to get with her teacher and but the teacher's trying to start this romance with the with the health inspector girl woman or whatever um, and so like I kind of for maybe a moment forgot what movie I was watching and that scene in the theater 
you know, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna get with the blonde guy after all, because she can't have the teacher, and then he reaches, he reaches to set the popcorn down, and that fucking rat grabs him, and I'm like, oh shit, yeah, I forgot, killer rats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought that, that, um, that attack scene in the theater was pretty badass, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, they were, like, f- just flying through the air, taking people out. Yep. Yeah, I enjoyed the little hand puppet rats that would just come from off, off camera, and Maybe yep. because it would happen fast, the music would jump, and it was scary most of the time. Yeah, no one was safe. No, no one was safe. Did anybody mention Scatman Crothers? I the first half of the movie, I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's job? Yeah, I was confused in the <laughs> opening credits. Yeah, like it's, that, it said like featuring or something, or uh, appearance by or something. So they sort of almost, you know. Yeah, they let you know he was gonna bite it pretty then he's quick. just walking around with this lady and i don't you know th- is he with the lady or is he with the crew well is when the movie the... when the movie starts and you have the opening credit sequence <clears throat> and after she tells him that they got to burn all this all this corn and they're burning it well and scatman's crothers is standing there next to him yeah and i'm like okay scatman crothers works for this guy right but we're the but the part that confused the fuck out of me, and it's probably some of the worst opening credit acting I've ever seen, yeah. is when she sets fire to the corn, and Scatman Crothers is like standing there laughing at it, like, and then it cuts to the cuts to the one guy, and he's just like, he's all pissed off and upset because she's burning all the corn, and like, it was really hokey performances in the faces by both of those guys. Yeah. But the whole time I'm thinking, if you're with this guy, why are you laughing? And then he shows up at, at her job, and if come to find out, he actually works in her right. department. You know, I didn't know like until then. It was it was confusing at first, yeah. And then he's then when he does go underground, there he does a whole lot of talking to himself. I don't know if they're like, well, we got to get used to Scatman. There's no one <coughs> here, but we need to hear that voice. So yeah, you can't have Scatman in, uh, Scatman in your movie not have, hear his voice. So, so. He's got a scene by himself. Guess what? He's talking out loud. When he died, did you go, Jazz, no! No. Okay, a little. <laughs> well, and, <coughs> he had discovered the giant rats before the, uh, going down to die, right? He had mentioned something about it, and then he goes back down there by still himself. Down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of weird too because they play that for like almost like a joke, right? As if it's unrelated to the plot. But no, he's you know it's there's, there is giant rats. I don't know. I thought in the opening party that the uh, guy's broom guitar was pretty awesome. He <laughs> he really rocked it. <clears throat> a pretty mean. Broom. It actually brought back a lot of memories because that's <laughs> that was my first guitar. <laughs> I had the same one and. Uh, where I got a lot of practice done on that. Yeah, same they here. Stay in tune. Yeah, yeah. There, there may or may not be videotapes, hours and hours of videotapes of me and my friends lip-syncing the songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way too much of our childhood was with fake guitars yep. in our hands. I thought the, uh, maybe for a second, but like the entire movie full of wildcat growls and screams these rats make got fucking ridiculous and painful right <laughs> like because it was non-stop agreed yeah um, agreed. yeah I, oh, I wrote down i thought the theater scene rivals the blob 
Rivals. Ooh, that's it was, bold. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. It reminded me of that. It sure I, did. I'm yeah. not going to lie. To me, there's three moments that I thought were really effective in this movie. You know, we can sit here and talk about how cute the the rat dogs were, or like, you know, how some of the effects kind of look shitty, and, you know, and comparatively to some other rat movies we've watched or some other rat puppets we've seen, they're not the, you know, the handheld rat puppets are not the best. But not the worst. Not the worst, but... You know, still kind of fake looking. Oh, yeah. But there's three moments in this movie I thought were really effective. The scene with the baby. Yep. Um, that was pretty suspenseful and a pretty horrific. Even though you don't see the dead baby, there's fucking blood everywhere. And you know what's going on. Yeah. Stakes um, are on. The theater, the theater scene and that last shot when the train pulls up and people look in and just everybody's everybody inside's dead and covered in rats. Yep. I thought that was a really effective uh, moment too of the movie. That leads well, me. To, go ahead. Wasn't it just the mayor that was inside covered in rats? Oh, was it just the he, mayor? Yeah, because yeah, he okay. had locked everybody out. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But it's still gruesome and yeah, still good. Like the the best way to end a party. But my question from that scene <laughs> is a. Uh, how did the the power for the train suddenly work? Did I miss something? Because it got chewed, and then that's why the train didn't work. Yeah. But then, at the end, the train worked, so that they well, could drive remember, it forward. Remember, he forgot to turn. He forgot to hit the power button at the end. Remember, the little kid makes a joke. He's like, "You got to turn it on. Turn the brakes off, Dad, or something." <laughs> yeah. So maybe the. Uh... But the. The paid professional that was driving the train beforehand forgot to take the brake off. But no, I know what you're saying. Power get. I, that's the only, that's the part I'm like, what? Yeah, because you made that such rat, a big deal about. That's why they got stuck. Rat through chewed through those power lines that I don't think was part of the train. I think that was along the wall or something. Yeah, that was my confusion. Gotcha. Look at me trying to make sense of these damn movies. <laughs> At your own, yeah, fault there. Yep, my bad. Cool. Well, we got one more movie to talk about, um, and that is Food of the Gods from 1976. A group of people travel to a remote island to hunt, but they are the ones that get hunted. Uh, they get attacked by giant killer animals, such as chickens, wasps, and, of course, rats. Um, this is sort of based off of H.G. Wells' novel. Um, uh, it's directed by Bert I. Gordon. Um, and there's a reason why his initials spell big, because uh, that's what he most of his filmography... Not all of his filmography, but movies like Attack of the Puppet People, uh, Beginning of the End with Giant Grasshoppers, it's one of my favorites, uh, The Spider, uh, The Amazing Colossal Man, and the sequel, War of the Colossal Beasts, Village of the Giants, Empire of the Ants. Um, and uh, there's been a few of these movies that uh, Bert has claimed to have been adaptations of of H.G. Wells' novel, Food of the Gods. Um, that this is the one that has 
H.G. Wells' name plastered right right above the title of the movie. Um, my favorite Bird Eye Gordon movie that's not a giant giant uh, movie, and that is Tormented. That's a really good flick. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, but this movie's awesome. Uh, I, I find it really cool that Bert R. Gordon, Bert I. Gordon's, uh, uh, kept working all the way up through the '70s, still making these giant fucking animal movies um, that he did uh, over and over again in the '50s. So uh, it's Using pretty the same special effects techniques. <laughs> yeah, so, some of them, yeah, the same. Especially when you get into Empire of the Ants, <laughs> where it's just ants crawling yeah. on. Crawling on top of pictures of things, um, pictures of buildings, um, but uh, no, and some of but but with this one, I think effects wise, this is probably some of some of the better effects out of out of uh, Bert I. Gordon's uh, filmography. Um, some are awesome, except for when you see the giant wasps flying around. That looks like shit. <laughs> Not so good. They're, they're ghost wasps. Okay. Uh, I get. This black. Sp- it's like somebody just. Tried to draw wasps with a black pen on top of the negative. That's what they look like. Um, you might they, be right. Yeah, they are so bad, and they're just they're just black blobs with fluttering wings. There's really no definition to these to these wasps at all. And I love when they get shot and they explode in like a puff of black smoke. But then the rubber wasp puppet will be laying on the ground dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought the rats looked great. Um, oh man, some of those composite shots where it's like good. where it's like giant rats on one side of the frame and and humans on the other side of the frame and the um, <coughs> the ratio of rat size to people size. You know, there's a couple, there's a few moments where you could see the line in the frame in the middle of the frame where one shot is and the other shot is. But there was a lot of them that looked really seamless and really made you think like there's giant fucking rats standing next to these people. But uh, oh, oh, you forgot about the I forgot about the giant worms or caterpillars. I don't maggots. know what those were. Maggots. I don't know were they. I don't know were they maggots. I thought they were maggots, but that's just. Me. Yeah, I think they're maggots. Okay. <clears throat> that would make sense because um, they talk about how the food of the gods. Basically, it's this it's this earth jizz that comes up from the ground. <laughs> um, earth jizz. That the animal stuff. Yeah, it's this, it's totally the stuff. It's the same universe. Um, so like uh, this marshmallow fluff comes up from the ground. The animals eat it, but it only affects the 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 children animals, I guess the the young animals, the baby animals, whatever. So it makes sense that those are maggots, not worms. Yeah. But yeah, I've always loved this movie. I've always had a blast with this movie. I'm so glad I finally. Um, made everyone else watch it. Uh, um, to put, I, th- I think this is, was even an insane's pick a long, 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 long time ago on the show. So it's pretty cool that I finally we finally get to talk about it in an open group now. But um, I've always had a lot of fun with this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go with it. So somebody else say something. It was my favorite of the group. Uh, I felt it had just the right amount of camp for me, where uh, the the uh, ridiculous giant chicken at the beginning, all, uh, just all that stuff is just like, it made it so much fun. Uh, 
And once again, I, I watched this one while Nikki was in the room, and towards the end where they're shooting the rats, um, I it was I felt like I was like trying to lie to like a, a child because I'm like, oh no, they're fine. What's uh, <laughs> happening to them? And she's like, no, no, that one's hurt. Look at his face. Go back and look at that one. It's it's face. Look at it's sad. And then like every single one that was getting hit, she's like, no, it's sad. That one's sad. And I'm like. <laughs> Can we do a commentary with you? Do you want to be on the podcast and, and yell at everyone, yell at Mike for making us watch this one? But uh, and and the yes. whole time I'm like I'm like they're just hitting him with like paintballs. It's fine. Yeah. And she's like and she's like, but at the end I'm like and those those ones floating in the water didn't really drown. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I oh just something like the scenes where they have like a toy jeep with the rats crawling on top of it and they have the the sounds coming from them it's so funny but so cool i don't know something about it like for some reason i find this so charming and then like rat scratch fever i just i find irritating (laughs) even though they're both trying to do the same thing just maybe the i don't know the approach of this one felt so much more um organic to me but i i had a blast with this one it was my favorite on the list Um, and just you know it's ridiculous and they're i don't know the electric fence everything like it was just a blast to watch this one would be a fun one to to watch with a group of people i think yeah oh for sure yes no this is one that i've been looking to watch since i was like seven 16 17 years old when i bought a maxim that had like the 50 greatest b movies of all the time I was working at Movies America in Fairfield at the time and was renting all of them that I could and that was one that we didn't have there and yeah this was my first time actually getting to watch that and cross it off the list and I I really enjoyed it after almost 20 years of waiting Yeah, this is one that I am, have been familiar with since I was a little kid. Again, you know, not being able to watch serious R-rated horror movies when I was young, I would just rent anything with a monster in it. The 70s had a lot of really good PG-rated horror, so you know, this stuff was all on the menu, even though you know, there's some fairly graphic stuff in there. Um, they have, you know, nothing like... It's not a Fulci movie by any means, but <laughs> it was a little... Something that you don't really think about as a kid that you know it made it a little harder for me to watch this time as dad you were talking about you know they're just shooting the rats with paintballs well have you ever been shot with a paintball <laughs> that fucking hurts mm-hmm. and those rats don't look like they're having fun yeah if so it, yeah that if it was paintball up. there was probably still rat deaths involved with the impact yeah. of those yeah that would shatter tiny little rat bones yeah and i don't think bird eye gordon cared that much now since the theme of this evening seems to be making people like movies less. Uh, I'm going to hurt all you. I'm going to hurt all... No, I, I like Food of the Gods. And I love Empire of the Ants. I'm going to hurt all your feelings by telling you that initially, the filmmaker who was interested in turning this into a movie was Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. yeah. And then you see the giant rubber chicken head with the crew member's <laughs> legs visible sticking out from under it as he's whacking Marjo Gordner over the head with it. And you're like, wow, Ray Harryhausen 
badass stop motion chicken or well no this movie's a lot of fun I really like it I hadn't seen it in quite a few years so I was glad to go back and revisit it again and and it, it really does hold up like the a lot of the composite shots with the rats are really good and the mm-hmm. and the the full size I don't think they're animatronic but like the big puppet rats those look pretty cool too they don't look like real rats but they do look realistic enough to be a believable animal if that makes sense I bought um, the I bought I bought those heads better than deadly eyes yeah. personally because I mean, obviously, there wasn't a whole lot of money to go around on this one either. Like, there were in all the movies tonight, but um, except maybe Willard. But, of course, when you're using real rats, there's not a lot of uh, shenanigans. And so they're supposed to be the size of real rats. There's not too much trouble you can get into with the whole way they look. But, you know, as, as shitty as everything else looks in this movie, the wasps and everything else, you can tell that Bert knew what people were coming to see. Yeah. It's like, well, we can have really awesome wasps in, like, one scene, but they don't really matter, or we can really, you know, blow the budget on the rat stuff, and that's what people want to see when they come to see this movie. And you said earlier uh, about that they put H.G. Wells' name right up top, except this movie has very little to do with the the original story. I don't know if you guys have ever read the the H.G. Wells book or not, but... um, I love how in the credits it says something like inspired by portions of HG Wells' Food <laughs> of the Gods. And, and basically what that means is there's stuff that makes animals big. Go from there. <laughs> yep. Well, like I said before, too, there's several of those of, of Bird Eye Gordon's movies where he claimed to uh, you know be inspired by Food of the Gods. Like, this isn't the only well, one. Empire of the Ants does it, too. Empire of the Ants. Even Village of the Giants does, and that's that's about that's about giant beatniks, not... <laughs> yeah. And don't forget the ducks. And the ducks, yeah. This was my first time watching it, <coughs> and as, it, as it's going, I'm like, this is awesome, it's a football movie. Because the whole first ten minutes is oh, a yeah. football movie, and... I thought the the opening credits were weird because they were freeze frame. Is that is that weird for anybody else? Yeah, it's a seventies thing. But, but yeah, thought it was wonderfully preachy right off the bat with the ADR. She's <laughs> like, "Man, it's bad." Okay, we get it. Yeah, if you're gonna watch a seventies monster <laughs> movie, there's gonna be an eco message in there. Yeah, can't get away from it. Yep, but it was all right. I thought if uh, I saw a giant-ass chicken, I'd sure react a hell of a lot worse than he did, though. <laughs> he was just like, he just brushed it off and went and talked to the lady. Hey, what's up with your chicken? And that's it. <laughs> then he just went on with his day. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he didn't. I, I don't know. I would have freaked out a lot more. I thought he was way too accepting of a chicken his size. Well, Marjo Gardner's not a very good actor, so there's that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I loved it. I thought I, I kind of watched it. Mike and I watched it together, and I just I loved. It was baffling, yet fucking cool. <laughs> that like, how did they get? This is clearly shot on film with money, <laughs> but they used well. it for this. <laughs> like it's it's a beautiful picture. It's shot on film. It's done well. Uh, I mean, what's in it 
Maybe not, but like cinematography's done well. Yeah, this <coughs> it's made well. Yeah, it's just what they decided to use with that money and <laughs> talent is questionable. But well, that's because it was made by American International Pictures. Yeah, and uh, you know everything they did was like, you why did you spend money on this? But this was actually their most successful film of uh, of nineteen seventy six. So it paid off. Yeah, I just I was watching it. I was loving it because. It looked really good, and it felt good, and oh, it was it was pretty kick ass. I I thought all those composite shots were awesome. I, the story with the rats and the fence was great, and yeah, I didn't even mind the big chicken. It's the <laughs> it's the ghost wasps I had trouble with, but that's you know what do you do? You yeah, know? so it doesn't hold up, but. Well, here's something for you, Mike. The cinematographer was a fella named Reginald H. Morris, and guess what else he photographed? What? The original Black Christmas. Nice! Oh, wow. Yeah! <laughs> Along with A Christmas Story, uh, Porky's, he also oh. shot Empire of the Ants. So he was... Looks a, like he did... Hmm? He was a regular for Bob Clark, then. Looks that way, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of regulars, there's a Joe Dante regular in this movie too. Belinda Belaski's in it. That mm-hmm. that that caught me off guard. I mean, I've seen this movie, you know, before, but I did not remember she was in it. So that was pretty cool. I like it. I like it when she pops up and and stuff. And rare to see her in something that's not a Joe Dante film. So, any other comments on um, Food of the Gods? I liked uh, the sort of weird ending of it following the bottles down to the cows and the kid drinking the milk. I have not seen the sequel. Has anyone seen the sequel? I have. I was just going to say the sequel actually does play a little more with something that is in the original story with a giant baby. So they they do play fair with that. At least they show a little kid drinking the stuff because you do get a giant baby in the second one. I I, I thought so. (laughs) Because <clears throat> I'd seen the sequel once, and actually I think only maybe a, I've only seen it like a half a time because I don't remember ever finishing it. But we were talking <laughs> all the way back when it first came out on video. So I have no memory of it other than other than there was this room that had a giant kid in it. That was the only thing I remembered. Yeah, and I remember some some, like, these are supposed to be giant rats, like invading a miniature swimming pool set. It's been kind of like you. I saw it way, way long ago. It was one of the, like, there used to be, like, pop-up video closeout shops that would show up in our mall, like, once a year. And that's actually where I wound up with my VH copy of Here Comes Tad Razorback. And uh, so I'd go in there and just look through all the tables of weird stuff. And I got, you know, a bunch of the Miles O'Keefe Ator movies there. And they had Food of the Gods, too. So I picked that up and I watched it once and went, yeah, I'm probably done with that. (laughs) I just remember it sucked and that was about it. But it's also known as Nah Food of the Guns, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Sweet. If I remember right, like, that one came out. Alright, because uh, a, friend, a friend of mine, well, me and all my, like, high school friends, you know, we would just, like, take over the video stores in town. We were constantly in, those, in every video store in town. And we would just, like, be obnoxious, begging for the posters, um, offering to buy certain copies of the movies off the shelf, uh, <coughs> any promotional crap that they had. 
And so there was one store that that usually obliged pretty well, and um, they gave they gave my friend Andy a whole bunch of screener screener tapes, and Fruit of the Gods two is one of them, and uh, Curse to the Bite <coughs> was was one of the other ones. And so I we I remember we were so excited to watch them, and we started both of them and didn't finish either of them. So ever <laughs> since that like. That curse episode has cursed me because it seems like Curse Two: The Bite keeps coming up. <laughs> I fucking hated that movie. Uh, you made it sound so good, though. I did because I really <laughs> didn't try to. Did you say like the man's arm becomes a snake or some shit? Yeah, yeah in like the last two minutes of the movie. <laughs> See, and if that happened all the way through, exactly, that would have been awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. So, well, those are the movies that we chose to talk about, but uh, some honorable mentions. Um, what other rap movies uh, stand out there for you guys? All right, well, if no one else is going to go, I've got a couple. Go for it. The first one is another one of my all-time favorite movies that almost nobody seems to have seen. It's called Split Second. It stars Rutger Hauer. Oh. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's, in, it's in the far-flung future year of 1997. Whoa! Yeah, London is flooded because of global warming, and there are rats everywhere. And Rutger Hauer plays a tough cop who doesn't want a partner and don't play by the rules, and you know all that good stuff. And uh, people start dying, and in a, in a very strange way, and with with big zodiac signs painted in blood all over the walls, and they're always the sign of the rat. And so he and this stuffed shirt, you know, straight-laced, we're going to make you, you know, a good cop again, Rutger Hauer, British partner guy that he gets stuck with, have to figure out who this serial killer is while protecting his girlfriend, Kim Cattrall. Yeah, that's right. Kim Cattrall's in it, too, uh, from this killer. And, uh, um, oh, God, I can't, um, Michael, uh, Michael J. Pollard plays this weird little, like, sewer-dwelling rat catcher exterminator guy. And the killer turns out to be, they don't ever get too deep into the explanation, but it's some kind of demon with rat DNA in it. So it's like, <laughs> like, cause they do like, it's, it sends him a, a heart in a big cooler full of ice that it's taken a bite out of. And they do saliva to like to tease him like, haha, you can't catch me. Cause they still think it's a regular serial killer and they do saliva tests and they find rat DNA in it. So, yeah, and then they say at one point that it's some kind of demon or possibly even actually Satan, but then he blows it away with this big, like, Gatling gun shotgun crossover <laughs> made-up weapon thing at the end. But, yeah, it's great. It's super quotable. It's way fun. It's got a cool monster. Dr. Howard talks to a Rottweiler at one point and insults its owner. <laughs> it's, Man. It's a lot of fun. This movie sounds awesome. I've never oh, even wait, heard of it. I can't it. believe you haven't seen this in the days of picking over video stores, because I think it came out in 91 or 92, and it was uh, right to video. Yeah, I so, pulled. Yeah. I got the poster pulled up here. It's awesome. Blade, mm. Blade Runner meets Alien is the box quote there. 
And I'm guessing they say that because Rutger Hauer's in it and the creature bears the vaguest similarity to a xenomorph. It looks more like Venom than an alien. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but yeah, it was the first thing I thought of was a xenomorph. Because it's not a very clear on the poster, but it's Rutger Hauer with a shotgun over his shoulder and then the ominous creature or you know, looming over top of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not very well defined of the creature. Uh, he's yeah, seen I'm, the future, now he has to kill it. Which, which doesn't fucking make any sense, because that makes it sound, again, like a boy, <coughs> like he's hunting a robot or something. No, it's just... It takes place, you know, 20 years ago, and he's in, in the future of 25 years ago, or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, but yeah, it, it's fun. And then the I've other s- one, huh? I've seen the, yeah, I looked up the movie poster to this. I've seen this so many times, yeah, and my, yeah, never once thought to watch it, though. My buddy Bob and I quote it back and forth to each other all the time. I've like, there's this great speech that he does making fun of his stuffy British cop partner that I've memorized and just <laughs> spiel into it every once in a while. It's really funny. Nice. The other flick, so yeah, you guys have to see that. The other flick I wanted to talk about was Giant Horde Beast Nazura. Huh? What? You know? Is that the full title? Yes. Well, now, the reason that none of you have ever heard of this is because it doesn't exist. Oh. In, ni- in 1964, well, there are stills from it, and some of it was shot. Uh, in 1964, a studio named Daie saw that Toho was raking in money hand over fist with Godzilla and decided, we got to get in on this giant monster action. So they commissioned a scenario uh, from a writer, and he came up with this story about giant rats attacking Tokyo, right? And they were primarily going to, much as Bird Eye Gordon did uh, a decade later, use regular rats on miniature sets. The problem was, they just went out and rounded up a bunch of wild rats who not only didn't know how to obey orders, but had lots and lots of fleas. Oh, no. The fleas infested the studio. The crew that were shooting the special effects scenes, which is all they ever completed, wound up having to wear hazmat gear to work every day. Yeah, holy shit, I'm looking at pictures right now. The camera guy's got a freaking gas mask on. The, The rats, because they were wild, didn't give a shit what anyone wanted them to do and just ran off and started chewing through electrical cords and burrowing into the walls of the studio. And eventually, the heads of the studio said, look... We can't make any money on this. These fucking rats eat the studio. Get rid of them. So they rounded them all up and threw them in an incinerator. So there's your story for Nikki, Ted. Oh, no. <laughs> Oy. Oh, God. But they thought, well, shit, we've already sunk all this money into building miniatures. And we've got you know some special effects people on hand. We need to make a giant monster movie. What are we going to do? Well, because the rats shit-canned their own movie, that's how we wound up with Gamera. Really? Because the huh. obvious logical leap is, <laughs> well, we can't have rats that have no, you know, that no powers. They're just big rats. What? What else is? What's next? Well, how about a two hundred foot tall rocket powered fire breathing turtle? <laughs> okay, roll cameras. <laughs> That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, in Gamera, then, is any of the footage used from? Wacky beast. I, I, I don't. I don't know time? if they they, may, they might have reused some of the miniatures and stuff, but oh uh, but yeah, there's there's no rat monsters in Gamera anywhere. That's crazy. That's crazy. I pulled up a few pictures that I could find. Just like some woman 
looking like she's surrounded by rats, super composed. And they they built a couple of um, suits, like they were going to have some guys in rat suits crawling around, and they had like a three or four foot long uh, remote control, you know, basically a big rat on a little car that they could drive around the set, but, yeah. Wow. Wow. Jason, what about you? What do you got for honorable mentions? Um, I had two that I wanted to watch and I didn't get to, so maybe I shouldn't say them at all. Okay. Oh, I just—I've never seen Graveyard Shift. Mm. I hear that's good, and I really, really wanted to watch of Unknown Origin. Yeah, been reading about that. Unknown Origin is great, and I will uh, spoil this for you. Graveyard Shift—it's a giant bat, so it wouldn't have counted. Oh, hey, hey. In the hey, story, it's in the in story, it's rats. In the story, it's rats. But in the movie, it's a bat. Okay. I'm learning. Well, of unknown, of damn it, that ruined my honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> of unknown origin <coughs> is hands down my favorite rat movie ever. I fucking love this movie, especially consider. I mean, you. Know, I've said it before. Like simplistic stories with minimal characters, with very little locations. Peter Weller. Peter Weller. Yeah. Um, Robocop love. Once we get into the third act, it's just it's just him alone in his apartment with this freaking rat that he's trying to get rid of, and it just goes off the rails. I mean, it's it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon, only not funny, but kind of funny, darker, but funny. But not funny, but not. <coughs> but not. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. But I mean, he just goes full on Mad Max at one point, where he's got like nails. Nails through a baseball bat, and oh, and he's just like trashing his house trying to get this fucking rat. Oh, it's such a fun movie. I love it. Love it. Um, my my uh honorable mentions, um, one of them was of unknown origin, of course, but uh, Jason's favorite film, oh, Rats Night of Terror, fuck that. Bruno Mattei's classic, <laughs> uh, with one of the greatest. Surprise endings of any Italian horror film ever. You just throw those descriptives around, just lessening the value of them every time. Tell me that's not one of the greatest endings in cinema history. In cinema history. <laughs> you, as did you it see came it out coming? of your mouth, you're like... Did I you know. see it coming when he took off the hazmat suit? And, oh no, it's a... I'm not going to say it. I don't want to spoil it. People need to see it. Yeah, they do. Yep. And then the other one I had... Um, from 1988, Ratman. Oh, yeah! Yep. Oh, shit. That movie's fucked. It is. It's, uh, <clears throat> I awesome. had, all, like, back in my college days, bootlegging days, getting tapes, uh, tape trading with people, um, one guy would always... Breaking the law. <coughs> That's what it's called now. Um. Okay. Statue of limitations. Um. <laughs> This one guy would always put like cool stuff at the end of the tapes, like short little short films or weirdo porno sex acts or um, a lot of times trailers or just clips from films. And he had a Japanese trailer for Ratman on there. And I don't know if it was like the music that they put onto it, um, but like it creeped me out. And I think it had to do with the fact that it was like, because what Ratman is, is basically um, this maniac uh, 
Well, there's this this fashion model on this Caribbean island, and um, well, there's okay. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to explain this freaking movie. <laughs> um, basically, there's this little half man, half rat monster. Okay, played by Nelson De La Rosa who in 1990 was in the Guinness Book of World Records as being the world's smallest man at 2 feet 4 inches tall. And he's most famously known as um, um, doc, uh, Dr. Mordrew's little sidekick in the island of Dr. Mordrew. Moreau? <coughs> Moreau, sorry. <coughs> um, so, yeah. So, it, watching this trailer freaked me out. This guy, all done up in this rat rat face and fangs and shit, two feet tall, coming at coming at you towards the screen. Ah, oh. I remember you looking for that movie for years. It took a long time to find a copy, <coughs> and it does not disappoint. It's definitely a lot sleazier than I thought it would be, but uh, um, but it's. Yeah, it's awesome. And I still think it's still pretty creepy. It's not the greatest makeup job in the world. That's just pretty piss poor, but you could you know you know, people bitch about how CGI doesn't look real enough, but like, you know, sometimes animatronics doesn't look real enough. You know, if you were to compare shots of Chucky walking versus Ratman walking, Ratman's gonna freak you the fuck out because same height, but that's that's real. <laughs> You know, when John first came on the show, which is how I found out about it, and I started listening because he was on it, you did Ratman as an Insane's Picks. Oh, I did. I found it on a print-on-demand DVD service that was selling stuff through Deep Discount, so I bought a copy. And <laughs> it's been a couple of years since I've watched it now, but, yeah, that movie is something special. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, uh, so, so Derek... Um, where are your honorable mentions? Well, I was going with uh, Graveyard Shift. <laughs> I uh, love that movie. And even though the main thing in it is a giant bat, there are lots of rats down at the in the cotton mill, which sure. leads them to find the giant bat. Because they go in and they're trying to exterminate <laughs> all them. And they bring in, actually... Uh, Brad Dorf to exterminate all them, and we also have uh, God. I can never pronounce his last name, but uh, the Wishmaster. Oh, and he's Devoff. Devoff, that's right. Yeah, he he plays a role in this one. But I really enjoyed this movie. The book is, or the short story is obviously better. But you know that's always the case but i remember renting this from the local library quite often and watching it a lot um yeah the i watched it recently and i remember it being a whole lot scarier when i was younger but i do think the giant animatronic bat still holds up i think it looks pretty creepy still um, Absolutely, I love that movie. Yeah, I. So do watch it. Yes, do okay. watch it. 
do watch it. Um, and if you read, I'd tell you to read the short story, but I know that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, uh, back in the day, Tom Savini was slated to direct Graveyard Shift. It, that was actually going to be his directorial debut, was Graveyard oh, really? Shift. Yeah. But uh, it never ended up happening. And I don't know if there was maybe, like, why it took so long for that. Because it, it took a while. Because I remember reading in Fango when it got announced that Tom Savini was going to direct it. It still took, like, uh, several years before the movie ever actually came out. So I don't know if it was just, like, in production, in pre-production hell forever. Or if there maybe there was some rights issues with the title. Because... I remember being so excited. It's like, oh yeah, Tom Savini's going to direct a movie. Yay, Graveyard Shift. Can't wait. And then a movie comes out on the shelf. Graveyard Shift. Sweet. And it's a vampire movie. So, like, around the time it was originally supposed to happen, with Savini directing, there was this... <clears throat> there was this movie called Graveyard Shift. had nothing to do with the Stephen King short story whatsoever. And it was a vampire movie. Um, and they even did a sequel to that. Uh, by the time um, the actual Stephen King graveyard shift came out. So I don't know. I wonder if maybe that was part of it too. There was maybe some rights issues with the title because somebody else got their hands on it first. Who knows? But yeah, Savini was originally supposed to direct it. Huh. Uh, did you have any others? I think that was it for me, yeah. Okay. Tad, what about you? Well, um, um, not too. I guess it's been been a while now, but Pixar put out this movie called Ratatouille. Oh damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that. Uh, no, I don't. Other than Ratatouille and um, Rat Race with um, Seth Green, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot to contribute. I apparently was lacking in the rat genre until this podcast came about. So. Uh, like I said, um, these were all first watches for me, so awesome. uh, I guess I need to dig into the rat genre a little bit more. I can tell some stories from when I owned a rat, and uh, my brother threw my Degeneration X t-shirt on the rat cage and chewed a hole in it, and uh, I was very upset, and then the rat ate an entire <laughs> curtain, and I was very upset. <laughs> uh, my mom was a little more upset that the rat ate an entire curtain and half my clothes, but uh, that's that, that's all I got. These stories um, are good. Did you tell the rat to suck it? No, but that was the shirt that I had, and uh, <laughs> luckily I got to wear it for school pictures before the rat ate the shirt. <laughs> and both, but my mom was sort of like pissed but happy that the rat ate the shirt because she was really pissed that I wore it for school pictures. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, like I said, then then. The rat ate the curtain, and the rat would just chew anything and everything around. But they're they're rats are really really smart and really awesome pets. And uh, watching these movies, I was trying to convince my wife that we needed to get another rat as a pet. And I don't know. If, then she was then she was like all about it, and I'm like, yeah, I was just joking. We shouldn't do that. So <laughs> unless she was, and then you'd be like, yes. No, no, uh, she would totally be on board with it. But then I would have to take care of it and clean his poop and stuff, and I'm over yeah. that. So. I don't know if I'm going to get past the U and a DX shirt for your senior pictures. <laughs> it was not senior. Oh, not pictures. senior, but class. class. <laughs> That's all be the same. Better if it was it's all the same. 
I ought to show you some of the stuff. Like, it was like my calling card was to find the most offensive shirt to wear for school pictures. Oh, oh yeah. You uh, put a series. I, I, oh, yeah, I remember getting getting some really good ones and uh the like right after i'd walk off the stage where they were taking <laughs> pictures the principal would be waiting with his arms crossed like you happy now turn your shirt inside out <laughs> i wasn't that smart turn that class young. pictures into classy pictures <laughs> exactly that was a terrible joke no no exactly it was it was sort of like that it was like a long-running joke for me and my mom would be like we're not ordering any i'm like good I don't care. <laughs> That's kind of what I want from this. Right. No pictures. <clears throat> All right. Well, um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get some more great stories from Chad's childhood. And uh, we'll also do some segments here <laughs> on Attack of the Killer podcast. So uh, stay tuned. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And it's segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. Let's do it. Let's start it with some shout-outs. It's time for... Shout-outs! 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 All right, we just asked what your favorite horror films with rats are. Movies with those pesky little rodents. And on Facebook, up first we got Nightmare Junkhead saying... Great little podcast, by the way. Mm -hmm. We guest spotted on their new episode. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We'll they share links when that's awesome out. Guys. <clears throat> they're and they're coming to Halloween of Palooza. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they said of unknown origin is great and still holds up. Woo! See also Deadly Eyes. Deadly Eyes. Oh man, that's so good. My voice is going. Uh, Larry Watanabe says. And he, by the way, is part of the two-person podcast that's now on the PFPN called, called My Bleeding Ears. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, him and his wife from Chicago. Sweet. Which relates to Mike singing. Yeah. Our <laughs> Bleeding Ears. Deadly eyes. <laughs> Larry says, Graveyard Shift. Up next, Andrew Moeller says, Willard, Ben, Food of the Gods, and Graveyard Shift. Valerie Winter says, Ben. Boom, boom, ben. boom. Sing it, Mike. You have a friend like Ben. <laughs> Louder, we can't. Willis Wheeler says, Rats, Night of Terror. Willis yeah. isn't my friend yes! anymore. Willis, don't listen to him. You're awesome, man. He also says, Ben, both Willards, and Food of the God. The one God. Nick Leadham says, Stuart Gordon's Pit and the Pendulum was pretty fun. Sure, there's some rats in that. Some yep. yep. Some rat action. Our pal Tim Lennerer, he's from a podcast that's now on this sweet Prescribed Films podcast network called The Fiasco Brothers Watch a Movie. Woo! He says, 
which can be found at thepfpn.com. He says, Rats, Night of Terror. Also not my yes! friend anymore. <laughs> Tim, you rule. Says, Rats, Night of Terror has a final shot that is jaw-droppingly awesome in its dumb <laughs> That's the right word. Dumb I also like Graveyard Shift for letting Brad Dourif go way over the top as the Exterminator. Listed in the credits as the Exterminator. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Up next, Brenda York says, Willard and Graveyard Shift. Next, Eric J. Peterson says, The Secret of Nim. Hmm. That was a good movie. Yep. Scared me as a kid. As an adult, I don't know how I would how it would play, but I hope it's a film that parents can use to help expose their kids to scary films. Never seen it. I thought it was a joke answer. It's a real... Okay, movie. Yeah, I don't know yeah. anything about and it. And I remember it being, as a kid, I remember it being, yeah, pretty, just shocking, scary-ish. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen it, you know, not like within the last year, but you know, since I have had kids, we have watched. I've watched it with them, so you know, in the last few years, and yeah, it does hold up. It's even as an, I mean, it's not scary to an adult, obviously, but yeah, it, it's pretty dark for a kids' cartoon. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've seen the name. I just. I just thought it was a cartoon. I thought it was a joke answer, but that's cool. Uh, Brian McNeil says, Food of the Gods was the last great giant animal movies that I liked. Terry Edelman says, Willard. And lastly on Facebook, John George says, Willard, Graveyard Shift, Rat Scratch Fever, yeah! and Deadly Eyes. Oh, nice. John. <laughs> We used to be friends. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty fun, though. You're right. And that's all we have on Facebook. Over on Twitter, we got a bunch of lazy asses who didn't f- do any tweets. What? And then on Get the your tweets Insta- on, people. That's right. You tell them, Mike. That's all right. But you can always also call in and leave a voicemail like Awesome Jack did last episode. Yeah, that was awesome. All right? And uh, <clears throat> you can call in at 415-952-6857. This is our phone number. Right. The podcast phone number. Yeah. So call and leave it's a voicemail. It's a big mail. deal, people. Yeah. Who else has phone numbers? Nobody. Nobody. Or everybody. Anyway, you could also call Who 415-95-AOTKP. <laughs> leave us your comments, your voicemail. We'll put that shit on the show. I don't care what you got to say. If you want to give us your grandmother's chocolate chip, chocolate chip cookie recipe, that would be awesome. And then I and I could practice saying chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, you know, you could you could call up and talk about how I can't talk and say things like chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I don't care. I hope somebody does that. Just call in. That that one would be good. Like double dog dare you. Anyway, that's shout outs. <clears throat> All right. Well, I came up with this while we were recording, <laughs> and I only had a, like I listened to it a couple of times on YouTube but I definitely don't have the cadence of it quite right, and I haven't been drinking this episode, so it's going to be even worse because I'm sober enough to know that this is a bad idea, but here it goes. (laughs) From the brain that brought you the prescribed films caper, horacons that make headlines in every newspaper, and wondrous things like Rocky Horror Live, that cunning display that made Otamwa jive, now comes the real tour de force. Tricky and wicked, of course. His earlier crimes were fine for their times, but now that he's at it again, 
An even grimmer plot has been simmering in his great criminal brain. Even meaner, he means it. Worse than the widows and orphans he drowned. He's the best of the worst around. Oh, Insane Mike, it's Insane's picks. The rest fall behind. Oh, Insane Mike, it's Insane's picks. The world's greatest cinema mind. Hats off to you, sir. I I hand over the gauntlet of uh, of singing on an episode, man. That you you beat me. And Does anyone I, know the significance of why I picked that? Do do we ever? Uh, <laughs> it's it is the introductory song of the villain Ratigan from Disney's The Great Mouse Detective, nice. voiced by oh the great God. Vincent oh, Price. Nice, yes. Oh. Nice. That's cool. Very cool. And you wrote that during the show. <laughs> Yeah. I racked my brain for hours to come up with the four <laughs> lyrics to the fucking Deadly Eyes song. I've been so busy today since getting back from G-Fest, I had nothing prepared, and I felt bad. And I, like, halfway through the show, I'm like, oh, I could do that. It's going to suck, but I'll try. No. No, you wrote a whole goddamn song <laughs> during the show. Where I had a long time to prepare, and I came up with four lines. Of, okay, so... Uh, you you get the, uh, you get the weird, trophy, weird Al seal of approval on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I should probably get to, get to it, huh? Insane Spikes? Yeah. yeah, so I, cho- I chose Manster from 1959 for this episode. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> An American reporter, Larry, uh, is in Japan, um, and he is supposed to interview this like Japanese scientist working on very bizarre experiments in his mountain laboratory. Uh, when the doctor realizes uh, that um, Larry is perfect is the perfect subject for his next experiment, so he drugs him, and the unfortunate man uh, drugs the unfortunate man and injects him with a serum that gradually transforms him into a hideous two-headed monster. Oh my gosh! Um, Larry is a dick, and by the way, in this movie, like I cannot think. I could not think of another movie, especially from this era of the fifties, where a prota- where I hated a protagonist more. Now, granted, they <coughs> they try to say that um, this isn't who Larry really is and all this, but uh, but we don't get to see who Larry really is. Um, we we see Larry as a dick pretty much right off the top, as far as I'm concerned. So his gradual descent and dickery. Um, and and Manstery is is right out of the gate, but uh, this movie is awesome. Um, I've I've always loved this movie, and it has such a uh, such a significance. It was an American production filmed in Japan with a mostly Japanese crew, um, uh, but it was still shot in English. Uh, it had different working titles such as Nightmare or the Two Headed Monster. But what is great about this is like he doesn't turn into a two headed monster really based on based on my plot synapses. He's really splitting in two. It's just a slow graduation where he's growing a second self. One the good side and one the monster side. 
So, which sounds familiar, right? Sam Raimi's Army of Darkness in 1992 uh, plays homage to this film. So when Ash swallows one of the little ashes and it grows an eye on his shoulder, which is just straight, almost like... Almost like the exact same shot when when Larry realizes he's got an arm growing out of his shoulder, um, which results Ash in splitting into two beings: good Ash and evil Ash. So, and in the film, the reporter, you know, he, he does the same thing. You, you know, he grows this eye. It's a much slower progression, and at an hour at an hour and um, like twelve minutes long. Uh, it takes takes forever to get to to at least the even the two headed part, um, but the whole splitting in half thing happens really within only like the last five ten minutes of the movie. <coughs> um, um, but it but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's awesome. And there's other monsters in it too. There's a, you know some a couple other failed experiments um, that the that the Japanese doctor has in his his laboratory or whatever, um, yeah, uh, his, his female assistant is the one that basically seduces Larry, um, and, uh, you know, helps him go to the dark side or whatever, he's like married to this, to this woman who comes all the way to Japan to find him, find out what's going on, cause he's not, you know, he's not <coughs> returning his calls or whatever, and he just fucking blows her off. Says, "Yeah, I'd rather be going out and partying every night with this other chick." So, um, but man, it's a great movie. It's so awesome, so bizarre, so much fun. Um, I highly recommend checking out Manster. I watched it not too long ago on um, the Retro Media app on my Roku. Um, but you can actually even find the movie in its entirety on YouTube as well. So, um, definitely check it out. Man, I believe Kino put it out on Blu-ray. Yeah, I think you're right. I know somebody did. Yeah, I know it's out there, yeah. Yeah, so, you like this pick, huh, Brian? Oh, yes, I love this movie. (laughs) Of course, it's a Japanese monster movie, of course I love it. Yep, yep. (laughs) It definitely has a lot of that feel to it, you know, even though technically it was an American production, but... Yeah, well, you know. it was a co-production, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or, it was, or was it right. purely a... Yeah, I, I thought there was some, like, Toho and some Americans... Or, well, maybe it wasn't Toho, but, yeah. You know, in the movie this also reminds me of, which I know I've talked about on the show before, I think it was also an Insane's pick, um, the, um, uh, di- was it called Diabolical Dr. Z, I think? It was also known as Venus Flytrap. It was like mm-hmm. early seventies. It was also an American Japanese co production. Mm-hmm. Really reminds me of it a lot, only in that one the the scientist is growing this like plant monster, which is a full on Japanese rubber suit. It just never grows to sixty feet tall or whatever. Yeah, but I kept waiting for Inframan to show up and punch it in the face. Yeah, exactly. It does look like a, a rejected Inframan um villain. Absolutely. I think um, the Manster's a better movie than Doctor X though. Oh, it is, but I have a special fondness for Doctor X because it's one of those where it, it was a Ed Wood script, mm-hmm. and so imagine a Japanese monster movie written by Ed Wood. Wow! And I swear that no matter no matter what involvement Ed Wood has on a production, if it's just one of his scripts and he's not directing it, it still has the feel <coughs> of an Ed Wood production. Like, the acting is just horrible, and the dialogue's garbage, and, like, 
you know, the continuity errors, you know, at the wazoo, but man, it's great. So that's it. That's this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, special thanks and shout out goes to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, you too can be a Patreon subscriber and get extra cool content. A lot of good stuff. Um, and man, I just want you to see this content. We've been having a lot of fun making some of these videos and, and doing these bonus episodes. And I just hate to think that uh, that they go to waste. So um, for as little as a dollar a month, yeah, pocket change, yeah. Exactly. Really help us out. You can find more in your c- couch cushions than what we're asking for this extra stuff. So, so yeah, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for being on. Thanks, Derek, for uh, thanks, joining Derek. us on this episode, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. It's great having you back, getting to talk to you about movies. It's always a pleasure. Um, so, until next time, we will see you all again soon here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. See you later. Oh, no. Could this be the end of... Attack of the Killer